Okay, everyone, thank you for joining the Thursday night class that has been off for three weeks, and I'm back in business. I even have the reading glasses, that's going to make it much better. Okay, so Thursday night class, we were off. I was away for two weeks, climbing the mountains. Then I got back and I had a wedding in Miami, and I thought I could give the shear in the hotel room, but I was too exhausted after the wedding. It didn't work. So here we are, Thursday night is back. I want to dedicate this year for my daughter. Her birthday was yesterday, Zisi. Zisel Basfrumit, should only be for her schus, for only good, happiness, joy. Really, this whole class was initiated for, for Zisel, so it was good for her, and uh, when, when uh, a long time ago. So uh, that was that. Uh, may it be a merit for her, and all that she needs and all that she wants. Ashnas bracha natzlacha, and only the best. Machayim. Um, okay, so Parsha Shoftim is the one Parsha in the entire Torah that doesn't have what we call the Hasidic Parsha. It doesn't have a Maimer. All, all every week there's Maimarim. Now there are Maimarim on Shoftim, but not in Lakute Torah and Torah. It's mysteriously gone. And, it does, and, it's, and you would wonder, maybe you would say, okay, it's vacation time, it's summer, August, everybody's out. <laughs> so the Altareva is on vacation, didn't say anything. No, it's Elo. It's ready after, you know, Mela, even then you can't say that. But like an Elo, like, and there's so many memoriam that are Elo. And how come there's not one mimer, Pasha Shrift? So the Rebbe gives his, his explanation on it. My explanation, which is my own is that the Tzemach Tzedek who organized the Lakuti Torah. Because there are Shoftim Maimarim. That's, what the, that's what's interesting. There are Maimarim on Shoftim, but the Tzemach Tzedek didn't put it in to Lakuti Torah, a section on Parsha Shoftim. We always learn the Hasidic Parsha. We always learn the Maimarim. That's, that's our first choice. If we don't have a Maimar there, we take Shira Shirim. Because I finished, not that we don't have, but we finished already, or I, we get a little more creative, and we take the Siddur, and we do Biurei HaZoyar, and we do some other things, Tzemach Tzedek, this one, that one. But usually we try to stick to the Hasidic Parsha over there. My the, uh, theory, again, this is, uh, I mentioned it today in the Shir, I gave uh, in Hebrew for the uh, Dvar Malchus, is that we all know the Rebbe gave a, in 1991, the Rebbe gave the most astounding talk on Parsha Shoftim. The unbelievable talk the Rebbe gave, which shook the world. The Rebbe spoke about the return of prophecy and how it was fulfilled with the return of, with the Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov and Hasidus, the beginning of the return of prophecy and prophets and how there is a prophecy of the Giyula. And the Rebbe and the Tzemach Tzedek saw with, the, with Ruach HaKodesh, that's the theme of actually what we're going to learn about tonight, that Tzemach Tzedek saw with, uh, with prophecy already then that his great-grandson is going to say the most bomb sicha in the world, and the Tzemach Tzedek didn't want we should have any distractions, we should learn only that sicha again and again and again <laughs> until Mashiach comes, and we have Tzedek HaDosh So he already avoided it a few hundred years earlier, 200, whatever, 150, 200 years earlier, no, I'm not, nothing, there's one thing to learn, Pasha. Nun Aleph Parsha Shoftim, this is what you're going to learn. That's my own little Torah. Now, in that Sicha, in that Sicha that we learned at the Parsha Shoftim, um, the Rebbe makes reference to this Mimer that I'm learning tonight. What's the Mimer I'm learning tonight? I never ever taught anything from this book. This book is a book of the Tzemach Tzedek, but it's a very unique book. It's called Sefer HaChakira. It's the Sefer of Philosophy. Derech Amunah. Basically, the Tzemach Tzedek took 
the writings of the great Jewish thinkers and philosophers, the Moranavuchim, the Guide of the Perplexed by the Rambam, Sefer Ikrim, uh, written by some other great uh, philosopher and thinker, and the Kuzari and so on and so forth, the Sefer Amunais Vedeus of Rabbi Sadia Yagon and all these, which were Sfarim that were based on, they were philosophy, and they were using uh, uh, even ideas of, 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 of uh, Aristotle's uh, um, um, uh, Aristotle's ideas of philosophy, they were using this philosophy for uh, to uh, you know to explore God. And obviously, Hasidus is not philosophy. Hasidus is a philosophy, but it's not human intelligence. Hasidus is a godly revelation based on deep mystical revelations from above. That's what Hasidus is. And in general, Hasidim have keep away from philosophy, which is human intelligence and human investigation of a human mind into the divine. There was a period of time when Jews got very into philosophy because the, the, the world around them, the secular kind of world around them, the, 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 the Muslim world and so on and so forth, were very into philosophy and so on and so forth. And it was impacting the Jewish people. They started also reading philosophy and they had many questions on the Jewish faith. So the great Jewish thinkers started writing books based with philosophical proofs on the existence of God and on the truth of Torah and so on and so forth. Um, Hasidus generally stares away from all of that. And there was a lot of opposition in the Jewish world from the greatest of rabbis against philosophy. That it's, that it's very dangerous and it's actually going to put... Uh, the Jewish people at risk, it's going to weaken the faith, and so on and so forth. The Tzemach Tzedek, however, uh, um, studied all these books, and he made even a share with his, with his son, with his, uh, or, or maybe even, I think it says with the Rebbe Marash, they learned all the books. Of, but the Tzemach Tzedek taught them according to Hasidus. In other words, uncovered the, the, the mystical, and in a sense, there are stories that are told that the Tzemach Tzedek actually redeemed the, the philosophy. From, from whatever was maybe not as good in them and, and, and elevated it, elevated it. So this is a book that the Tzemach Tzedek of his notes on, on the various different philosophical works. This particular is mimer that we're going to learn now is a discourse, which is very, it's a little different than the style of regular Hasidus because it does, it does, it goes into the world of you know, how do you prove? How do you prove the, the Matan Torah? That's really what the, what the Mimer is. Uh, which is something you'd find more in the Esha Torah kind of a book, as opposed to in the Hasidus. It's like a whole different approach and a whole different thing. Yet the Tzemach Tzedek and this Mimer explores it, discusses it, and obviously with a Hasidic twist. And in the end of it, he brings the idea of miracles and how we... There's miracles that continue throughout all the generations, and especially the great miracles that you see by tzaddikim, which all are a revelation, testimony to the existence of God, and especially the miracles that happened from the Balshemtov, and then he says that the Balshemtov was a pro, like he, he brings how they were like prophets, and so the Rebbe uses that piece in the Shoftim Sicha. So when I was thinking what to learn tonight, I said, you know, let me check out. I never learned this mimer of Edus, and it's related to this week's parsha because. This week's parsha is the parsha of witnesses. It was the idea that, that, that in order to establish a truth in court, you need to have witnesses. It's stated in a parsha Shoftim, because Shoftim has the laws of courts and the court system, and that's based on Eidos. So over here, this discourse is based on the concept of witness. The Eidos, the testimony on what? On the truth of Torah. 
So this is this minor. It was said in the year Tov Kuf Samach Beis, which the year Tov Kuf Samach Beis is 17. It wasn't said then. The Zemach Tzedek wrote it when he was still way before he was Rebbe. In the days of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe passed away in Tov Kuf Ayin Gimel 11 years later. So this is still the day when he... Zemach Tzedek was a very young man. He wrote this discourse. And uh, yeah, and the end, in the end, the end they found, they added later. It's a very beautiful, it's a kind of more easier read, very Gishmaka Mimer. And that's what we're going to learn. Okay, here we go. I'm sure there's much more to say if I would have spent more time thinking about it, but here we are. Eidus Hashem Nemona. So this is on Sefer Derech Emuna from the Tzemach Tzedek on page 126. The testimony of God, the testimonials of Hashem, which is generally referring to the Torah. Ne'em, because the Torah is called Eidos. It's called, the, uh, the, the God says, the testimony, like the Luchais, which are called the testimony. So there's a Pasuk in Tehillim, which has a capital, I think, uh, new, um, uh, the one that uh, talks about the beauty of the Torah. We say it every Shabbos in the morning. Um, what's that capital? Uh, whatever, it's in the, in, in the Chafs, or in the Lamids. Um, uh, a a Perak in Tehillim, it talks about the beauty of the Torah. Torah Hashem Temima, Mashivas Nafesh, Eidos Hashem Nemana, Machkimas Pesi, right? So there's a pasuk, Eidos Hashem, the witness of God. Nemana is, can be trusted. It's a trusted um, Eidos, witness, or testimonial, or the, te- the testimony is Nemana, it is trusted, trustworthy. Upirish HaMagid Meisharim, so the Magid Meisharim, which I think over here is referring to the book of the Beit Yosef, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, who wrote a special book in which he studied with a Magid. The Beit Yosef studied, but the Tzemach Tzedek actually brings that idea later in the Maimar, that, that the Beit Yosef was a rabbi who studied with an angel. An angel would come to him and teach him. In that book where he writes the teachings that he studied with the angel, he explains this Pasuk of Eidus Hashem Naman. Now what does it mean? There isn't any true edus. In order for edus to be edus, meaning a witness, anything, any testimony to be established as truth, it's only through a visual. Witnesses are only witnesses can't come into court and say, "I heard." You heard? Go home. It has to be something I saw it with my own eyes. It couldn't even be I saw a video. I saw it with my own eyes. It happened with my eyes. And that is through hearing it. So the Magid says, we have a problem. Our belief in Torah is not something that we see, the truth of Torah. God gave the Torah. We don't see it. We have it as a tradition. We received it from our parents. We received it from their parents. We received it from their parents, and so on and so forth. So therefore, it would seem to be that our witness on the truth of the Torah is kind of faulty. Because you, a real witness, a real, a real uh, testimony, is only which can be validated by a visual, someone who saw it. And this is no visual over here, because we heard it, we're receiving it as a, just a, an acceptance we heard from other generations. Omar da. So therefore, because one might question the validity of the Torah, our truth, knowledge of the truth of the Torah, Omar he says, da, you should know. Nevertheless, it is true. You can trust it. Viteda. And how and what's the proof to that? Because you see, the Torah is true because the Torah 
wisens or makes wise Pessy the fools. Since we see, and again, I don't know the, I didn't look it up in Magid Misharim, so you would have to understand what, what's the proof. Somehow, from the fact that the Torah has such an effect to create such wise people, Torah creates and makes fools into wise men. So it must be that the Torah, even though we don't have proof in a manner of vision in the Torah, as Joseph says, it's still, we can trust it and we can know that this is God's word and so on and so forth. Because, I guess because you see its impact. Okay? Again, I, I can't say I know that's exactly what he's saying because the Tzemach Tzadik didn't bring the rest of it. He just brings the beginning and he says, etc. Um, and I didn't get a chance to look it up because I basically looked at this Mima for 20 minutes before I taught it today. Uh, I had a crazy, hectic day. But Baruch Hashem, it was smooth. But again, if I would look it up, maybe I still have to look it up. But this is kind of what he brings from the, from the Magad Meshur. To understand the reason for this. So now we have to really understand it. If we don't have a visual, so how is the hour emunah? How do we say that it really is great? In other words, the Beis Yosef says, the Magad Meshurim says, because Machimas Pesi. I mean, you can, you, can, you can derive it from the fact of its impact, of, it, of what, it's, what, it's, what it's doing for us. Okay, maybe, I don't know, someone very smart made it, and that's wisdom, is kind of intelligence, is making everybody else smart, whatever. All right. All right. There has to be something more over here that would bring about the, the amuna in the Torah as an absolute truth. It appears to my, to my mind, the Tzemach Tzedek says, Lefadish, to explain it. Uh, um, oh, to explain it because the Tzemach Tzedek says, I'm going to give my own explanation of this. Because the Pasik says, that every Jew has a chalik in godliness. Every Jew has a neshama. And everybody has a chalik in the Torah. So the Tzemach Tzedek says, I can, say my, I can also say my chalik. So it's beautiful because he's saying, I'm, I'm going to share with you my own thoughts. Hi, who am I to say uh, my own thought and something like this? Well, he says, because the Pasik says, Chelki Hashem Omra Nafshi, which means, Kikol Echot Mi Yisrael, every single Jew, Yeshle Chelik Betoiras Havaya. Every Jew has a Chelik in the Torah of Hashem. So every Jew can say a Chiddush. Tzemach Tzedek says, This is my Chiddush. <laughs> so for us, it's good enough. And especially if the chidushim that a person says is according to the shorish of the neshama. In other words, how do you come up with creativity, creative thoughts in Torah? It has to do with where your soul is, is plugged in. Every yid's neshama. On the level, wow, who would have dreamt that Yitzchak is here? Allah, good to yidin. Here, Yitzchak, I have a copy for you. Can you do as it is known? So who would, have, who would have entertained and who would have thought? Oh wait, so, so the Tzemach Tzedek is according to the Sherish of the Tzemach Tzedek's Neshama. So I think it's getting better. It's not only the Tzemach Tzedek is saying, the Tzemach Tzedek is saying, I'm saying this according to my Sherish and Neshama. <laughs> and we're the Neshama, the Sherish of the Neshama of the Tzemach Tzedek. We don't have any Hasagin, but we know it's pretty good, right? It's, it's high, 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 endlessly high. And from that place, the Tzemach Tzedek says, I am drawing down this teaching. It reminds me of the famous story of they said to the Vilna Goy and they told us a story. They came to the Vilna Goy and they told them a story that one of the Talmud Baal Shem Tov, I think it was Rabbi Levi Yitzhak or whatever, that someone, um, someone, a man had a, had a dream 
Now, I think it was Reb Zusha. A person, his father passed away. They buried his father. And then he had uh, a couple of days later, his father kept on coming into with him in his dream. And he would tell him to go and uh, convert to Christianity. And he was getting, he was, and he was terrified. It didn't make no sense. His father is passed away. He's coming to him in a dream. He keeps on telling him. This Jew didn't know what to do. He was beside himself. So he came to, I think, to Reb Zusha, and he, and he lamented, like, What's, what should he do? Reb Zusha said they should go open the grave of his father. They opened the grave, and they fa- found that one of the grave diggers, when he was grieving the day, dropped his necklace with the cross. So the guy was buried with the cross. So they took it out, and the, the dream stopped. So somehow it came to the Vilna Gaian, and the Vilna Gaian said, No, it's a Befeidisha. It's a Befeidisha Yerushalmi. This idea... I think it's a Toysvis or Yerushalmi, something like that. That in Jerusalem Talmud or in the Toysvis it says something like this, that, this, that uh, burying something not kosher with someone can cause. But he said, I wonder how Reb This is what the Vilna Goyen said. I wonder how Reb because he felt that Reb wasn't a scholar. So when the word got back to Reb what what the Vilna Goyen said, he said, I knew it from the same place that the Yerushalmi knew it. <laughs> not, <laughs> Not necessarily. Reb Zusha knew the Yerushalmi too. I have no doubt. Reb Zusha was, uh, was hiding his age at the time. But basically, I, I, don't, I don't have to read it in the Yerushalmi, you know. <laughs> the same place the Yerushalmi knew it, he also knew it from, from that place. So in any case, the Tzemach Tzedek says, this explanation that I'm giving you over here, this is from my own intuition, from where your mind Shama comes from. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the validity of where we know the Torah is true. Pretty big one. Can you do it as it is now? And even though says this whole idea of this approach to the validity of Torah to question it and even discuss it and bring proofs, rational proofs, logical proofs, people that really invest in the Torah, they know the Torah's truth inherently. They don't need proofs, external proof. In other words, for those who delve deep in the Torah and, and feel the Torah's soul and connect to its to its real vibration, its real inner light. It's not. You don't need. You don't need anything to, to validate it. It is on its own. To those who look deep in the Torah of Hashem, like in the fifth line from the from the from the beginning of the Mimer, in the secrets of the Torah. You don't have to give and give a reason. Because truth testifies itself to itself. In other words, when something is true, it's obviously true. It speaks of it, it itself, from within itself, convinces you of its truth. So anybody who digs into the Torah really well can sense and feels and knows its truth, its truth inherently. And those who taste the Torah are tasting life. So you can feel life, you feel its MS, its truth. And not just life, chayim nitzchiyim, eternal life. So even though in essence we don't have to give truth, we don't have to give this whole discussion for those who are in the inside. However, it's going to be beneficial for two reasons. Number one, he doesn't say it over here, but it's good for those that are not on that level to dig into the Torah and feel it and, 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 and recognize its inherent truth. That's number one, which I'm saying this on my own. But, he, but it's also, he says... If, it, if, if something is true, and it's true in its completion, 
then it has to also prove itself in logic and in reason. In other words, even though it doesn't need it because its truth is on a much deeper level conveyed to the soul at its absoluteness, like you don't have to prove logically that you exist. Anybody needs all, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Make a mathematical equa equation that I, that, I, that, I, that I exist. How? I'm going to measure the exact space in the room and the ear that's in the room and measure how much, how much ear is not in the room. Maybe if I fill the whole room with water and I go in, see if there's enough water the size of me and now I know that there's a person who's weighing 187 pounds in the room. So now I know I exist and I can start taking out my schedule for the day and start scheduling what I'm doing at 9 and what I'm doing at before that. I don't have a logical proof that I exist. Who says? Maybe this is a fantasy. Maybe there's no one here, so why should I be busy with making my day meaningful? Right? But obviously we don't do that. Why don't we do that? Because no one needs a proof that they exist. I am? I know I am. So Torah is also true on that level that you sense it, you know, it, you know it's reality without any proof. But since it's MS, MS... It also has, to, logic also has to bring out its, its truth. So from that, he says, and even on the revealed sense, even if you're not digging into the, to the spiritual light of the Torah, but even on the more revealed element, definitely the Torah is established, and it, is, uh, and it, and it stands, and it is straight, and it is trusted, and it's very trusted, the idea that we receive the Torah. And this is the way it works. In other words, what he's basically going to be explaining is how do we, where do we have this proof that the Jewish people receive the Torah from God? What's, what's the proof of it? That, he says, so let's take a look. He says, no. The true amiti, the true edus, the real Eidos, that the Beis Yosef, oh, so you see, the Magad Mishonim is the Beis Yosef. Remember I said earlier that it's the, it's the book of the Beis Yosef, so here we have confirmation on that. When the, when the Beis Yosef writes in his book that, that true witness is only one that you can see, and in a sense, the giving of the Torah is lacking that, at least to us, to us, we didn't see it. Shakosov Arav Bisyosef. So the Bisyosef writes the true, oh, the true certainty in something is established. It's only through witnessing something with your own eyes. According to some poiskim, in other words, the idea that there's no other acceptance, first of all, it's only when it comes to capital punishments. When it comes to other witnesses, there could be also, Bazin could receive testimony um, of, other, of other nature, circumstantial evidence, other things are accepted and based in, people can come and testify. It doesn't necessarily have to be only what they saw with their own eyes. This that we say we don't accept any edus unless someone saw it themselves is only when they're coming to testify regarding a, a case which could chas lead to the capital punishment. And then it needs to be only a deiria. It's interesting that he says vuhu lektas poiskim. Not everybody. I would imagine that that's like an absolute. I don't know. Obedine nefashis dafka. But definitely, definitely, it's only when it comes to matters of life and death. Alvo obedine momenoyis. But when it comes to monetary issues, monetary disputes and issues, miskayim a edus biyedia beloiria. Edus is able to be able to be. Um, given over in a manner where they know without even seeing. 
Obviously, they have to give a good source for their knowing, but it could be with witness. Like it says in Mesech Teshvuz, Daf Lamed Dalet, page 44, 34. And according to some halachic authorities, Gam Bedinei Nefoshes He says it explicitly. In some authorities, even when it comes to matters of capital punishment, there could possibly be an acceptance of a witness, even if they did, based on other knowledge, not only what they saw. I don't know what he means by this. It's a shocker for me. But again, I don't know. Ach. Virak. But it's only, Ach Kol It's only if this knowledge, this knowing of this is Bruda, is absolute. Without any question at all, without any doubt, even the slightest of doubt. That could be. I'm not sure. Maybe Chidushe Harajba. I'm not sure who he means. Who this is referring to. It sounds like Chidush of either the Ran or the Rajba. I'm sorry for not knowing this. I didn't learn my Gemara in a long time. Vitoisvis and Toisvis. So you can do in in this place. It is uh, it is uh, it is, uh, is that there are there is a possibility of an acceptance in regard of a testimony even when it comes to matters of life and death. If it's an absolute idea, I don't know how you can have an absolute idea without seeing, but that's the way it is. Okay. Uh, but also, but, but the Beis Yosef says, generally, we say that what? You can't know something for sure unless people saw it with their own eyes. Okay? So, so what's the difference between knowing something in any other way? What's the Chiddush? Why is knowing something? If Moshe Rabbeinu told you something, okay, you know that you can't come to testimony. You can't come to, you, you can't come into base and say, I heard from Moshe Rabbeinu. He told me that someone murdered someone else. I believe him. You're not going to try I can, I can swear it's true because Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't lie. Chas right? Person comes and says that. They're not accepted. They're not, it's not an acceptable testimony. Even, even about Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Emes told me this. As, as, as an event that happened, not Moshe is giving me a mitzvah, but Moshe tells me an event that happened. You can't. You can't accept it. So, but only if you saw it. But you saw it with your own eyes. Bezin wants to know you saw it with your own eyes. Um, what's the difference between knowing something through any other means, even if it's absolutely convincing, and knowing something through seeing. We always, we, there is a phrase, a, 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 a statement that people say, right? Seeing is believing. Is to really believe with absolute certainty is when I see it. Okay? The main difference between knowing something without seeing it, to rather when you saw something with your own eyes, Every time you know something without seeing it, you can know the facts, you can know the existence of whatever happened, and so forth and so forth. But you don't have a grasp in the substance of it. In other words, we can know the facts of something, you can know all the mathematical calculations of something, but then there is the thing itself. I love going places. I, I have such a gishmak in, 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 in traveling and seeing uh, nature. So I like studying maps. 
I have a mashagas. I look at maps, I look, I look at this, I look at that. So sometimes like the places that I've been a thousand times on maps. <laughs> but I've never been there. Then when I go there, it's a whole different story. I, on the map, you can see it. This is mountains. This mountain is, 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 is a 10-foot peak, a 10,000. Here is a lake, because you can see it's mapped, and you can see the blue. And here is a picnic area and a bathroom. <laughs> maybe a flush toilet or maybe a non-flush toilet. <laughs> and here's a campsite. And here's, a, and here's trees. It's foresty. And it, so you can figure that all out, but it's a whole different experience when, when you're there and you see it. It, it, then you know the substance of it. Now you know the facts. If someone studies the maps really well, someone knows, how do you call people that know um, geography? They know the geography really. They know every state, every place, every street, every, every road. And no, they can tell you, they can sometimes even tell you more than the people who are actually live there. But it's a whole different way of knowing. These people know it because they know the substance. And this is the one that knows the information. That's kind of the difference between knowing the mitzios of something than knowing the mohus. For example, a person sees himself alive. A very simple example he's giving, that you can know a fact, but not know its substance. You know yourself that you're alive. And from this that you know you're alive, you know You know that you have a vivifying soul. You have some kind of a spiritual being, some kind of a life force. So you know that inside of you there is a soul. Did you ever see if your soul is pink, or your soul is red, or yellow, maybe a little purplish? How do you know what your soul looks like? Do you know? You know what kind of soul? What's your, you, know, you know your personality, but do you know what your soul? So you know everything about that. It, you, you're, you're certain that it's there. There's no question. It's not a question. If I'm alive, means that I must have a spirit, a spirit inside of me. I'm not just a, 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 a machine. There is, there is, there is somebody there that's a, that's a spiritual being, which I'm absolutely certain is there. Not just a biological phenomenon. There's episode of a living being, a spirit. But, 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 but we don't have any knowledge in the substance of a soul. We don't recognize the substance of the soul even though we know the existence of the soul. And we know, we know a lot about our soul. The fact that we know that it can enliven us. And we know certain. We understand the. We can understand its its makeup in terms of its, of its, um, of its, of its, of its emotional st structure and its intellectual structure, the personality. But still, we don't know what the soul is, right? You don't know the mohus of the soul. What? How? And what is? Even a very big psycho psychologist who studies the psyche of a person, which is obviously studying the soul, uh, in doesn't know what a soul is, although he can have books and books and information about the, how a soul works and operates and human psyches work and all this. And this is called Yediyah Samitziyah. You know of its existence, but you don't know its substance. When you're masig, when you see the mohus, the substance of something, when you apprehend and you comprehend and when you or apprehend and understand mohus, the substance of the nefesh. Mahu, what it is. Now, when are we going to know that? Are we ever going to see our souls in the mirror? Are we ever going to see a soul? And know a soul because we really know what a soul is. Yeah, in Gan Eden. When our souls enter into a world of souls, which means they divest themselves from the corporal body, and it becomes just a pure soul, and all we have is a soul, then we see souls, we can see each other as souls, and we can know each other and know ourselves like seeing mamish, because then we see spiritual. 
Now we don't see spiritual. Our, our vision is now channeled through the physical eyes and our entire experience of vision is only physical. Our eyes can only pick up physical things, not spiritual. But once the soul leaves the body, then the soul actually has vision, but in the spiritual. And then we can see each other's souls. And we can see our own soul. And then our whole understanding and appreciation of a soul is on a whole different level. And just like in Gan in Ganeiden, one can comprehend their own neshama. Cool idea. In Ganeiden, you can be masig, you can understand your own neshama. That's a cool idea. Then there are great tzaddikim who can see spiritual. Like when the Rebbe was stand by dollars, and you can see he's seeing souls, he's not seeing bodies. He's like, he's like scanning barcodes, every person walking by him. He reads the soul. He reads everything about the person. Wow, weird. You know, he knows the neshama because <laughs> he can see. You know? And obviously, they merit to have this in this world. It's revealed to them they can see and experience their soul and the origins of their soul. Like the Tzemach Tzedek said earlier, he says, I'm my, 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 my source of my soul. Right? <laughs> Shara Kadusha Rabchaim Vital. Like Rabchaim Vital writes in the Arizal, writing to the Arizal, Shara Kadusha, he writes that great Sadiqim have a visual in their own Nishama of their own soul. So similar to this, we understand. So this is an example. What's an example? The idea that we don't see our soul yet, we know it exists, and the difference of knowing its existence without seeing it. It's not a question of whether you're certain about it, but it's still a complete different experience. But that as a human Ba'afrish will understand really well between the Eidos, the, 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 the testimony, the certainty, the witness that comes through seeing. When witnesses come and they saw an act of a sin, and they saw the substance of the action. I mean, they saw it. So it's very in 3D. <laughs> That's the idea. Or if they are testifying through circumstantial evidence, even if there is such evidence that is so absolutely undis- indisputable, so they are without a question, certain, this, the absoluteness of something, it's still a different type of, it's still a different type of knowledge. Even though the matter is convincing, not just convincing, it's it is muhrach um, means it is a must. It is it is absolute. Allah that definitely it happened that which they are testifying. Like the Gemara gives an example in Gemara over there. The Gemara gives an example. And in Torah probably in Shavuos and Daf Lamedalid. And in Torah, when someone was beaten, and again, I don't know what the circumstances the Torah is speaking about. They did not see the act itself. And it's a different level of, of knowing. This is called knowing the facts, knowing its existence, and not grasping its substance. And definitely that the witness that comes through 
the the grasping of the substance, chazaka is stronger than a menes yoiser. When when you have a based in hearing a witness who saw not and doesn't know just the facts, but literally saw the the full experience of what really happened, chazaka and a menes yoiser, it's far more believable. It's stronger. And believable than a witness that's coming through knowing of the, the existence of it. Even though it's also believable. Definitely, we're talking in a case where there's no questions. There's no room for doubt. If there's room for doubt, then, of, then it's not a witness. It's not really accepted. But we're talking in a case where there's no room for doubt at all. So it's, it's just not accepted because it's not... Because it's not a visual, and it has to be a visual. Knowing it by knowing the substance of it is, is much better. To move in a murgish, like it's understood, and felt to every wise person. You see it by ourselves as well. When we heard about something, and um, we're astonished by it, we believe it, it's not a question. We heard something on the, on, on the radio happened, Sadly, the Surfside collapsed, for instance. The building came down. So, 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 so everybody knew it happened. There's no question. But still, you know, people, you know, you, you want to see a video. It came down. Oh, now it really impacts you. Ah, you know, well, well, no new information. But it like hits you when, when you see it because it, it registers much deeper inside of you. It's it, the, 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 the event, the actual, the, the truth of it. And this is what is, a, is which explains really well the reason. To the poiskim, the halachic authorities that say, that when it comes to matters of capital punishment, the testimony cannot be established. Only when you see it, when they see it and know it through seeing it. But if it's a yadiyah, if it's not knowing, and again, even if it's 1,000%, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's, um, it's, 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 it's uh, what do you call it, proof, uh, foolproof, it, no, it is 100%, nothing can chas quite any doubt in it, it's 100% certain, but there was no vision, you, you, still, you, you can't accept it, and the reason for that is, since it's very severe, why do we require such a level of certainty when it comes to matters of capital punishment? So the Tzemach Tzedek says, because we're dealing with something very, the consequences of this testimony, that is whether that is accepted or not accepted, could result in what? The taking of a person's life. Ba'arigas guf adam Yisrael, which would chas v'shalom bring to the to the execution of a Jewish person. Shaboy melubish nefesh alikis, which in which in the Jewish person is enclosed a godly soul. Chelak alakaimimal, a piece of God from above. You can't mess around with a piece of God from above. From above, and then God put it in a body, and you can't just come and remove it from the body just because. You know, you think so. <laughs> Even if you have a lot of proof, it doesn't go unless the, um, the Torah requires that the witnesses should see it with their own eyes. Nothing less than that is not accepted. It is not fitting to separate between body and soul 
unless you have the highest, highest, highest level of proof, which is a proof that comes through two witnesses who have seen it with their own eyes. You need testimony that is the most trustworthy. That is the edus that comes through seeing, which means the grasping and the understanding of the substance of it. Literally, eye to eye, they have to see it. Nothing less than that. So now we need to understand the Indian Eidus Kabbalah Satora. So now when it comes to the witness regarding Kabbalah Satora, what's our certainty that we receive the Torah? Shebevad, died that definitely tzorichli is gamkei nemona. Luchura, we have to say, that, what did the Beis Yosef say? That even though we didn't see it, but Eidus Hashem nemona, we can still trust it. Right? Because, whatever. So the Tzemach Tzedek says, but if in Dine Nefoshes, which comes to separate between a, per, a, a, a neshama and a body. Um, we, we require the highest standard. We're not going to accept anything less than the highest standard. Shouldn't that apply also to our certainty and the validity of the Torah? Why? What's, what's the connection? So you can explain. It shouldn't be acceptable just to have the knowledge my father told me and his father told him and so on and so forth. Shahare. Kabbalah zu inyan gadol mo'id mo'id. This, this tradition, this Indian, is something very, 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 very big. It's even more than the laws of capital punishment when it comes to the life of an individual. There is no comparison. Why? What was, the, what was the seriousness of taking a person's life? What was the seriousness of it? Seriousness of it is, there's a godly soul. You can't imagine, it's a godly soul. And it's in a body. It's supposed to be in a body. Hashem put it in the body. So to come and disconnect it, that's like the most severe thing. So the Tzemach Tzedek says, even though a chelek al is very, very big, but it's only a chelek of elokai. And then there is a lokai itself. What's Torah? A Torah is God's connection to this world. So the concept of a neshama being connected to a body in order to mess with it, to establish it, to, 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 to meddle with it requires what? A, a, a witness that is so powerful and so strong. So in order to approach the question whether God's relationship with the world, right? And so on and so forth is, 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 is as, let's see the Lashon. Kidua, there is no erech to the neshama. In other words, the neshama, as great as the neshama is, is still no comparison. Legabe, here it says the word yoiser hakol. I am 99.9 .9 certain that this is a mistake. But I don't, I hate to make, say my, on my own, but it, it sounds very, 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 very clear to me that the tough of the word yoiser is supposed to be a tzaddik. Legabi yotzer hakol, compared to the creator of everything. Not yoser hakol. What's yoser hakol? Yotzer, with a tzaddik, in other words, even though an eshama is so fantastically great, it's still incomparably nothing in comparison to the creator of everything. That means God, who's the soul of all of existence, as opposed to an eshama, that's the soul of one individual. Right? So that's what I would think, that there has to be changed to the Gabi A lot of this Hasidus was printed very fast, 
And there are, I assume I'm going to show you is another obvious mistake in the print. So, yeah. In comparison to the Abishter himself. Like one neshama compared to God himself is like tipa, one tiny drop in the ocean. And like the value, what's the value of a finite entity compared to an infinite being? That means how much more bigger is the infinite than the finite? Not, not a measurable number. It's, it's ain't so. So the distance between one person and God is ain't so. So according to the importance, this is establishing God's whole connection to the world through the Torah. It's something of such significance. Um, no, um, I don't know what the nun stands for. So because it's of a greater, greater importance, the witness, the testimony on it, has to be even more certain. You definitely can't apply a lesser, a lesser qualification, a lesser standard for, for, for that truth to be established on a lesser truth of, of, of where when, regarding the connection of a regular neshama to a body. That's, that's just analyzing the significance of it. The significance of this event, the significance of the truth of Torah, which really is the truth of God's relationship with the world. But now he takes it even from a halachic perspective. It's a very gishmah. To kill someone, you need what? Two witnesses who saw it. Right? To say someone, someone, someone violated the Shabbos. And they bring him to court and they're going to punish him. They're going to stone the guy. So you're going to say you need two witnesses who saw it. But hold it. Who says that Shabbos... Who says that violating Shabbos makes you kill? We should take the person's life. It says so in the Torah. But it says so in the Torah. But the Torah is, the, the, the truth of the Torah was all, is only true to us with a lesser, with a lesser validity, with a lesser a testimony than the testimony of this. So, if the requirement to kill someone is witnesses of this, so then 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 the, then the mitzvah for what you're killing him for has to be established with that same certainty. If that's not established with that same certainty, then then, then, then yes, this person killed this person, this person violated Shabbos, or he did something else that calls for death, but the whole mitzvah is questionable. Who says God gave it? Understand? It, you can only take, because Hashem said so. But who says God said it? And that it says, how, how are you proving that? So it can't be any less. There's one le- in including in the witness, in the, te- in the, 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 um, Testimony, or the, the, the proof of the witness for the acceptance of the Torah, who din arba misa The very idea that there are mitzvahs of that Beisden has the authority to, to execute people with four different types of deaths. Shanim surullah Beisden was given over to the Beisden. So the whole power that they have comes from the Torah. V'chein din mitzvahs kiddush Hashem. Here's another one. There is a mitzvah that a person has to sacrifice his life. To sanctify God's name, you have to give your life up. On certain circumstances. There are three mitzvot that if God forbid a person is in a circumstance where he's, he's called, he's being forced, he's being pushed, he's being, the circumstances are, 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 uh, 
are uh, demanding that he, uh, God forbid, uh, sin with one of the three cardinal sins, the person has to raise his hands up and let himself be killed and not violate of those sins, whether it's idolatry, adultery, and, um, and murder to take someone's life. So you have a mitzvah to give your life up. Based on what? Because the, the Torah says so. <laughs> and and because, because you're, it's a commandment in the Torah that you're violating. So obviously the Torah leads to life and death situations. So if you say that for life and death, there's nothing that you can't accept anything less than a testimony that's a visual. So the Torah also has to be visual. Can't be any less than that. That's what he's saying. The mitzvah of sanctifying God's name. That every single Jew is obligated to give his life up. If they want to make him violate one of the one of the principles of faith, with one of the three mitzvahs, which are what's which is adultery, which is idolatry, and spilling of blood. Like it stated in Yeridea. Imkain comes out. Comes out that since in the Torah is dependent many, many dinim of nefashis, of life and death, it is definite and definite. That the acceptance that the Torah is true has to also be on the highest level, on the highest standards. Now the Tzemach Tzedek says we can, we can reject this reasoning. <laughs> he gives such a Gishmaka rejection. What's the whole reasoning? Since the acceptance of the Torah leads to many life and death situations. So if for life and death, so this also. He says you can question that. I'll give you an example. Other halachas, let's say to establish whether a person is married or not. You need witnesses. Those witnesses don't necessarily have to have seen things. They can also come to Bazin based on lesser quality of witness. And Bazin, based on that, will establish circumstantial evidence that, these, that this is a couple, they're married, based on circumstantial evidence. And then after that, if God forbid, one, if, if, if they committed adultery, then you can kill this individual based on a, a, a witness is who initially the marriage was established on less than this quality of and that's halakhically okay even though the initial establishment of this situation was established not by the standard that you would need for life and death uh, yeah because in those elements of Torah you don't need such a high level of qualification but to, when you're directly questioning an action that leads to capital punishment then you do need that. And we don't say that if this needs that, and that's a consequence regarding that. I'll give you an example. If you makadish a, a woman, if a person is, uh, uh, does a kedushin with uh, something that doesn't belong to him. Okay? A person does a kedushin with a ring that's not his. So there's no, he's a geneva, it's not his. He's, the kedushin doesn't, she's not married. So even if there's witnesses that saw him being Makadish, but if they, they, they didn't see him buy the ring, and it's his, they ask him, you know, every chassan, yes, does this belong to you? Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, you know. They say, you establish certain things, b'chazaka, fine. And then later it turns out that this, this situation can lead to a capital punishment. You don't throw off the whole thing. Who says they were ever married? Who says the ring was his? You don't do that. 
it's established. They were witnessed by the wedding. The chasen is a chasen. And from there we work further. So you see that not everything leading up to a has the same requirements of testimony. So you can say the same thing regarding the giving of the Torah, that even though it leads later to situations that do require the highest levels of visual testimony, yet the truth of the Torah itself is not necessarily required such a level of. So that's how he tries to wiggle, to present the counter-argument. Okay? It's possible to reject this reasoning. To those who say, that the uh, uh, testimony regarding gitin, regarding divorce, or kedushin, or uh, marriage, that it doesn't need the same level of drisha, for instance. It doesn't need the same level of investigation. The hakira, and, uh, which basically means uh, um, 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 interrogation. You don't, it doesn't require such investigation and interrogation like you interrogate other witnesses. Like when it comes to the witnesses of God. And even though it's going to lead eventually to real serious things. Since right now there's no capital punishment over here in front of us. This is not considered like, like literally ju- um, um, a case of, of, of life and death. Like the Beis Yosef says, So says other Poiskim. I think it's Bebedek, I'm not sure, the Beis Dalarei. And according to this, we can argue the Hachinami that the same is also Kabbalah Satora, that Kabbalah Satora is not on the same category, on the same standards of matters of capital punishment. Even though that in this is Toloi, it, 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 um, that in this, oh, I have to make another copy. You could without the copy? Okay. Even though in this is dependent, but nevertheless, you can't compare it. You can't make this. The, 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 the Tzemach Tzedek is now going to reject the counter-argument. He says, you can't say shani. It's very different. You're dealing with what? What are you dealing with? The establishment of a marriage or a dissolvement or a dissolvement of a marriage through a divorce, these entities itself are not as severe as life and death. It's a very important, important detail in life, but it's not life and death itself. So life and death is red. This is dark orange, but not red yet, marriage. So therefore, even though as a consequence of them, you can come to a situation where you're dealing with red, with life and death itself, you can allow the initial establishment to be with a lesser level of, 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 of conviction, with a lesser level of. But that's in that case, where Gitin and Kedushin are essentially on a lower level, they're not as severe as life and death. But here it's the other way around. The mitzvahs that we're dealing with, even the, every mitzvah, Let's say the biggest mitzvah. What's the biggest mitzvah? Shabbos. 
you know, someone is Mechal Shabbos, it's like, you know, considered as if they don't keep any of the Torah, right? They're like major, major mitzvahs. Uh, we said the three cardinal sins. As great as they are, what makes them so great? What makes them so important? They're a mitzvah in the Torah. They're not a little mitzvah, they're a big mitzvah. They're not a big mitzvah, they're a ginormous mitzvah. They are a super ginormous mitzvah. But it is a mitzvah. A mitzvah in what? In the Torah. And what's the... And here we're dealing with establishing the truth of the Torah itself. It's a branch of the tree. And this is the tree itself and where all the branches come from. So definitely it can't be of any less caliber than any, of the, any mitzvah of it. So how come when it comes to establishing the facts regarding chas killing someone and based in, you need to have witnesses who saw it with their own eyes. But yet when it comes to establishing the truth of the Torah, we don't have witnesses who saw it with our own eyes because we didn't see it with our own eyes. Isn't that a good question? Like the whole idea that the Torah is given to us by God, <laughs> who said Loi <laughs> Sirzach, and yet we don't have witnesses on that with our own eyes. That's the question. Oh, the Neshama sees that's spiritual. We're talking about an halacha. We have to figure this out in halacha as well. The Eim and if you're going to say, and even though in, in those cases, when it comes to Gitin, Kedushin, the marriage, divorce, it can bring and it can lead and it can ultimately bring to a matter of life and death. You don't have to be so stringent, because it's only a cause that will eventually lead to a matter of a question of life and death. It's not like when you're judging the thing itself. The whole grama, we always know that's the way it is. Every cause is not considered as strong as the event itself as the phenomenon itself. Never has the... For example, on Shabbos, you're not allowed to do a malacha, but if you did only a cause that will cause the malacha, you're not... It might be forbidden, but you're not chayev on that, because it's only a cause. So the, here too, the establishment of whether they're married or not, or things like that, it's only eventual a cause for a higher consideration. And therefore, it doesn't require that highest levels of, of witness. Ma'ashen in Kabbalah Satoira, which is the very acceptance of the Torah itself, who avuhaim dechala mitzvahs. It's the father, it's the papa of all the mitzvahs. V'achukim v'amishpatim and all the statutes and all the laws. V'inyin gadol yoyser v'yoyser memohutz mitzvah echad. It is much greater than the substance of one mitzvah. The dine nefashais. Let it be any mitzvah that involves life and death. But that's only one mitzvah. Imkein haomanosai. Definitely. The tzemach tzedek is crying out. He's demanding. He's, he's saying that it has to be. That that the level of, 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 of conviction has to be as convincing as when witnesses see something with their own eyes. It can't be any less than that. In Kenamanosa, it's belief in it. Eidus Yoiser needs to be more convincing. Which what would be necessary with one individual mitzvah. Which is only one branch. Levad. From the dinim of the general power of the general Torah. In truth, so the Tzemach Tzedek says. Therefore, he's not going with the Beis Yosef's answer that wow, that we still believe it because it makes smart, it makes uh, it makes fools smart. It has to be that there is that it does categorically fit into something that we can say we know it's true because we see it. But that he has to explain why is that. Definitely the witnesses, the testimony of God's Torah is truth. 
it is in a manner of knowing, and literally with eyesight. Why? The Indian, and this is beyond the stage, the Rambam already addresses this in the eighth chapter in the laws of the foundations of the Torah. Halacha Aleph in the first halacha. The Rambam says amazing thing. Rambam says, That Moshe Rabbeinu, the Jews did not believe in him because he was because he was a miracle worker. Moshe did spectacular stunts, which really show that he's got some really, really, really good connections up there, right? That he was able to like turn the whole world over, upside down. You saw that he was a superhuman. He had powers that were beyond. And he's saying that he's talking about God, so we say, oh my, that, that, that was like, so we believe in him, because the Ramam says that's not why we believe in Moshe Rabbein. The Ramam says, what's the, what's the true, what's the validity of Moshe? The Maimad Har Sinai, the Ramam says, by the, because we're going back to the, to the Maimad Har Sinai, we're going back to Sinai. A nation store, so the Ramam uses these words, our eyes saw, our eyes. Now obviously, who's he talking about? Now mystically, we know, spiritually, we know all our souls were there. But we're not going to use that because that obviously is not always, that's not necessarily a good argument in court. Our souls were there, we saw. Someone comes in and he says, I lived 3,000 years ago. My soul was over there. I'm, I was actually in Los Angeles, but my soul was in Poland last week and it witnessed that. doesn't work. No one's going to accept that as a witness. Uh, um, and also, so you have to have something more concrete. Ramam is obviously talking about not we saw, but our grandparents. Uh, we as a collective nation Einenu, our eyes saw, Veloizar, and no one else, it was with our own eyes, Veoznaf Shamu, and with their ears they heard, Veloi Achar, and no one else, meaning not by hearing it from someone else, what did we see? We saw Haesh, we saw the fire, Vahakoilois, and we saw the sounds of the shofar, we heard the sounds, Valapidim and the flames, Vuhunigashalarafel. So we saw basically God on the mountain, everybody saw. This was like the, the, the sounds, the flames that we saw. And we saw Moshe Rabbeinu go up to that frightening <laughs> display of whatever was taking place on that mountain. And and we heard the voice. We heard the voice with Aaron. And we heard, the Rambam describes it with such drama. We heard the voice saying, Moshe, Moshe, lecha mor lahem kach v'kach. Moshe goes, speak. we saw, we witnessed God speaking to Moshe. We saw why do we believe that he's the great prophet? We saw God speaking to him with our own eyes. That's what we saw. We didn't hear it from it. We actually saw Hashem talking to Moshe and heard it. So when we saw this with our own eyes, that's, that's the highest level of, of certainty. And this is what it says in the Pasuk. Panim bipanim dibir Hashem imachem. Face to face God spoke to you. Nimtsu. So the Rambam says an interesting Call Yisrael edim loy. All the Jewish people are witnesses, the Rambam says. We are all the, are the, every single Jew who was at Har Sinai, at least that generation, were all witnesses, which what they saw, they all testified with what they saw with their own eyes. Kishnei Edim. They're like two witnesses who come to court, which we believe them. Once two witnesses come, we establish it as truth. And especially when two people saw the same thing, when they saw it together, one you don't trust, but two people tell us they saw it. Bezin accepts that and sealed and done. Ein Sham Barichus. Look over there in Rambam at great length. Vekiv and Shekain. So now the Tzemach said, Till now he quotes the Rambam. Vekiv and Shekain. And since it's so, Adisan who Apiria. Then their witness. What's the whole question? 
We, we know the Torah is true, but we don't have a visual. We do have a visual. We know, we saw, at least the generation, and they testified. And when they saw, what did they see? It wasn't they, they, what they saw. What's the, what, was the whole, what was the whole benefit we learned earlier by seeing something, overhearing about something, even if you know the facts, even if you prove it and everything? It's because when you see it, then you're, then you're seeing the substance. You're not just knowing the facts. You, you see the substance. The visual that they had was on the substance of the divine. Uh, they didn't see a map. They saw the real deal. They saw whatever God showed them. Obviously, they, they, whatever God showed them, but they saw what no other human ever beheld and what other people ever saw. Uh, why? He basically says over there, all the Jewish people were then in a state of prophecy. Prophecy is a direct visual and, and full sensual experience of the divine. That's a prophet. A prophet is not a, 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 um, just a, uh, a, uh, an understanding of something, a, a philosophical experience. A prophecy is one in which you're, 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 you're interacting with the divine through your senses. You hear, see, and almost can touch divinity. And that's what makes a prophet bigger than any other rabbi who's not a prophet. They can be great minds and great thinkers and can know hidden secrets. Actually, it says that the great, the great, great chacham and the great wise men knew things much higher than prophets. But still, they didn't have prophecy. In other words, they didn't have a sensual experience of these things. It was all, it's not through the senses, it's all, it was through just the mind. But, but by Har Sinai, it was prophecy. We were all, pro and prophet is a, is a direct experience of the divine. So we saw it, and we saw him, and we saw what was God doing, speaking to Moshe and communicating to Moshe. And in that sense, it was literally knowing the substance of the divine and the substance of the truth of the Torah. And you see, it's been embedded in our collective memory till today. And, and now, we know that, so how do we know? So spiritually, it's because our souls were there and our souls were also experiencing that prophecy. So Umami saw it. But in addition, but he's going to, even if we don't have that and we're just the grand, 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 grandchildren, that he's going to explain soon how it gets to us and what, why that still has that same certainty and so forth. Yes. No, I'm not trying to differentiate experiencing different than seeing. I'm just actually trying to say that experiencing in this sense is like seeing, is seeing. They saw, but, but it, wasn't just, it wasn't just seeing. It was also all other senses that were experienced. Sometimes you can see something, but you're still not hearing it or whatever. Here was everything. At least, the Torah at least enumerates and spells out sight and sound as a first-hand experience. Versus a mental cognition and understanding of something. That's not, an it's not a tangible experience. That's more of a meditative kind of an experience, but not. Uh, no, we didn't see what Moshe can see much more than us, but we saw enough that we saw God on the mountain talking to Moshe. We saw God. We saw the, we saw Elokus, whatever that, whatever, how our prophet experiences the divine, Hashem was revealing himself in that fire and in those flames, and we saw that fire and those flames. And it wasn't just a volcano. It was, it was, it was, it was an experience that, that, no, that, that has never, ever happened before. 
it wasn't an image because it can't. Hashem says but we saw and heard the sounds of Hashem's words and the whole thing. Because Hashem revealed Himself to them face to face. Not just was this also a prophecy. The Tzemach Tzedek says there's no greater prophecy than that. It's not just knowing the facts. Because this is the difference between a Chacham and a Navi. Chazal say that Chacham Gadol Menavi, that a Chacham is greater. So the Alter Rebbe talks about it in Tanya. What is a Chacham greater than a Navi? Because the Alter Rebbe explains that. Alter Rebbe asks a question. The, the Arizal says that Moshe Rabbeinu's Navua was only in Netzach and Hod. That's what he says. Moshe Rabbeinu apprehended in his Navua the levels, you know, 10 Sfirot. Netzach and Hod are considered the external Sfirot. There is the intellect, Chabad. Then there is the emotions, the primary emotions, the internal emotions, Chagaz, Chesed, Gvur, Teferis. And then there's the external emotions, which are Netzach and Hod. Moshe Rabbeinu only apprehended Netzach and Hod. And even that, it's Netzach and Hod from Atzilus after it was enclosed in Olam Habriya. And that's where Moshe Rabbeinu maxes out. That's what, that's what the, the, that's what the Reb Chaim Vital writes from the Arizal, is where Moshe's Nevuah maxes out is in Netzach and Hod of Atzilus enclosed in Bria. So the Alter Rebbe asks a stunning question. I don't understand it. If Moshe Rabbeinu was only able to see up to Netzach and Hod, of, of Atzilus, enclosed in Bria. So how come the Arizal himself goes ahead and speaks about Chesed and Gevura and Teferes and Chachma and, and, and Bina and all the levels of Chachma and Bina and even higher he speaks about Keter, Keser and in Keser itself, Erechan Pin and then higher than, infinitely higher than that, Atik Yomen and then Adom Kadmon and then Pratsuvim. How is the Arizal talking about all of that? Well, Moshe Rabbeinu, he, the Arizal himself says, Moshe Rabbeinu, he's down here. It was Arizal assuming, saying that I'm greater than Moshe and I, I saw and I connected higher. How can that be? Same as Rav Shimon by Yochai and others. They, they're speaking much higher than, than, than Moshe. So the, the Alter Rebbe has a whole letter over there explaining there's a fundamental difference. Moshe Rabbeinu's experience was sensual. He, he literally interacted with it in a very real way. The Arizal and the Rajbi, they understood, they had a saga, a, 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 an abstract uh, understanding of these levels which is only called Yediyas HaMetzias, knowing, knowing its existence and knowing a lot of information about it, but not what it is, not the substance of it. Because the substance of the divine you can only experience from Netzach and Hod and outward and not higher than that. Because higher than that, you can only know Hashem if you are Hashem. <laughs> that's already the way Hashem reveals Himself to an outsider, that's what Netzach and Hod are. It's about transmission to the outside. And on such a deep, realistic level, you can't interact Higher than Netzach The highest Navi, Moshe, was from the level of Netzach On Nevuah, the Moshe Rabbeinu could have been a great Kabbalist and known what the Arizal knows and, and the Rav Shimon Bayachai, but that's not in his Nevuah. That was in his, in, his, in his knowledge, in his understanding, but not as a Navi. So, the, so a Navi is far more powerful in the experience, but it can only hit lower levels of the divine. For higher levels, you need, you need the Chacham element. So, but, but the Tzemach Tzedek is saying their experience was a Navua. It wasn't a, 
the existence of the of the divine matters but not the mohus that's why he's able to understand the mysteries of the chacham is able to climb up to the very highest of worlds to the highest peaks the Navi is not able to do that. The Shorish of Navua is only from Netzach and Hoid. And that is because it is the Hasaga, because a Navi gets into experiencing it in a very real way. You can't go higher than Netzach and Hoid. Because they are the kalim, they are the instruments on in which you're mashpia to the outside. Nevertheless, in the Netzach and Hoid is enclosed spheres and energies that are higher than Netzach and Hoid. Coming to the Navi, but he's receiving it already enclosed in Netzach and Hoid. Why? Because it's a very tangible experience. And the knowledge of the Ainsof. The Hanavi. Masig mohusan mamish, and the navi is apprehending its very mohus, its substance. Shenalokus mepchenas atzilus, which is the divine from atzilus. Shaat sham sheirish anevuah. Up till there is where the where nevuah can reach. Kamashakasar rachav, like the Reb Chaim Vital says, b'shara yechudim ein sham. V'kivon and since shakulam zachu azle nevuah. And since they all merited at that time prophecy, which is the hasaga, the grasping of the substance of the divine, so their testimony on what they saw, who you have 600,000 people who also, not just one, you have 600,000 men, and the women and children, you have 2 million people who were all prophets at that time and experienced firsthand. And that's why it makes, as it's explained in other places, Judaism the only, the only truth over all other religions who will have a story of someone coming off or whatever and telling us stories and people believing him and so on. There's no such a thing in Judaism. We have two million people who saw it with their own, everybody the same story. Visual. They saw it all with their own eyes. Mamish. And they know absolutely they all knew that this is what they said because they experienced it. They, they, they literally experienced it. And, they, and there, was, there wasn't a question in one of theirs, even the shadow of a doubt of the truth of what they experienced. They knew it. So now that Tzemach Tzedek continues in Siv Dalid, we can still investigate. How is it reaching us? Good, them. They were there. But how does it come to us? We're receiving it like this. What's our problem? They, they witnessed this, and they handed it over to their children. Their children already are not the original witnesses. So Allah is like this. If I come into Beisdin, and I say that Chas Shalom, you know, you know, you know, Chaim killed Yankel. So how do you know? I say because, uh, you know, Shmuel told me that he saw it. Shmuel saw it with his own eyes, and he told me. Oh, did you see it? No. Shmuel. But Shmuel told me. And Shmuel told you it's not good enough for Basin. It's called Eid Mepi'eid. The witness is repeating what he heard from a wit another witness. You can only speak to the original witnesses. And those Jews, they died in the desert. <laughs> they didn't survive. The women did, but the men didn't. 
So that, 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 so how do we have it? They retreated their children. Their ch- so we're getting it already, what? Not firsthand. Achinyin, so the Tzemach Tzedek says, the ein zeklal eid mepied. It's not at all eid mepied. Why? Because eid mepied doesn't, uh, eid mepied doesn't work. You see, let me put it this way. What happens if someone killed someone else, some two witnesses saw it, they come to Bazin and they testify. Bazin investigates it and validates that it happened. Accepts the witnesses. It's and then it's what they call how do they call it filed, locked, and what's the word for it when something is like filed away? It's there's a word. Uh, it it was stamped. I don't know. They have such a you know, and it's now locked away. In other words, now it's a fact. Once the witnesses were accepted, it becomes a fact. The only problem with aid me aid is that the first original aid didn't make it to the basin. They, for whatever reason, you know, started walking to the basin. They got tired and they couldn't go further. They sent someone else on their behalf. The report doesn't work. But if the first witness arrived in the courthouse and handed over the witnesses, that's established as absolute truth. And once it's established as absolute truth, then everybody else can, can accept that truth. as an, and It's not called anymore a witness giving over to witnesses. Only until it's, it's validated by a court. This has the courts. Who is the court? The court is the whole second generation, he's going to explain. They already received from their parents. The, the parents didn't have to because they saw it. They didn't need it as a witness. But the generation within, the second generation, Yeshua's generation, like Moshe Kibbal Torah, Messiah, they were the first generation and they're the, the entire generation is the Bezdin. Who's hearing the testimony from who? Isn't this brilliant? From their fathers who, who saw it themselves. So you have a Kabbalah say it was locked, now it's filed with the thing. And now once we're reading their testimony, we're getting it from, so now we're receiving from a Beisden that it has already accepted this, and this is a fact, and this is an unquestionable fact. It's an undoubtable fact, and it's established with certainty of certainty of absoluteness. Just such a, just a, just a simple, you know, <laughs> A brilliance of the Tzemach Tzedek over here. The Lachur who ain't be'ed, achin yon, the ain't zeklal ain't be'ed, it's not an ain't be'ed, halachically. Ela eidus me'ed based in, we're getting an eid, who's telling us now the witness? You see, when a witness tells a witness there's a problem. When a based in tells us, when the court comes out and says, we've accepted witnesses and this is the way it is, it's not, oh, well, who, well, who are you? I'll say, we should ask every based in. I'll give you a simple example. Based in, Bazin doesn't kill the guy himself. Let's say Bazin accepts witnesses. Bazin has henchmen, people who work for the Bazin. <laughs> you know, not exactly the type of job I would sign up for, but there are guys <laughs> who the Bazins, the, sh- the shamans of the Bazin, they, they do. Now, they need to be told a bit. Now, they don't have to be in the room there to hear the witnesses. They work for the Bazin. They're out in the coffee room the whole day. You know, <laughs> when, they need it, when, they, when the job needs to be done, the Bazin sends the guy out. Now, how can, who tells them? Bazin says to them, are they, how do they have a right to, to execute a person based on what the Bazin told them? How do the Jewish people have a right to go ahead with the thing? And the answer is, even though the, you can say it's aid mipi aid, the Bazin heard it from the way. Now the Bazin is giving over. No, because Bazin Paskins, and once Bazin Paskins, and then Bazin comes out, the court comes out and says, this is the way it is, it's not considered witness telling after a witness, because as we said before, it's filed, locked, and set. This is established as the truth, and there's no other, there's no debate, there's no question. So that's what he's saying. The edus may be based in, it's an edus now that's coming to us from a based in. Shadow, called Kahal Yisrael, because, so first he wants to say, 
that the initial generation who saw it, they themselves are the Beisdin. That's his first explanation. The ones who saw it, they're not just witnesses, they're also the Beisdin. But then he's going to question that. So he's going to say it's the next generation who is the Beisdin who received it from the witnesses who saw it. They saw it with their own eyes. The ones who saw it, they themselves became the Beisdin. They accept, they receiving their own witness. They're testifying to themselves. They saw it. Now they can pass on the information to the court. Who's the judges? The entire... And let's say, let's say not the whole Jewish people is the court. But amongst the Jewish people, there were judges. All those judges stood at Har Sinai. They saw it with their own eyes. They now can accept... You know, the RCC... I'm just going to give an example. Was at Har Sinai. They saw it. Now they are, based on what they saw, are now accepting their own edus in their court. Fine. And now it's, now it's in the basin already. Ah, so now's the question. The Kaimalon, because we hold, Gimel Sharau Edusan Biyoim Nasem Dayonim. So he's going to bring a question on that. Can the same people who saw it be a witness? Because we did discuss this, not tonight, Monday night we discussed it. That the ain aid nice a If you see it, you can't become an okay. It, not everybody agrees to that. Okay. We discusses it over here. The Kaimalon Gimel should always decent of three people. Oh, usually, see, here's the thing. Usually witnesses are two. And the basin has to be three. But the Gemara says, what happens if three people saw something? People see standing at the three at the street corner when a guy pulled a gun and shot someone. And they saw it with their own eyes. They all can become witnesses. They, not the witnesses. They, be, they become the basin to Dan. Based on their own vision. There is discussed. It's an argument between Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva if the Beisden who saw, you know, the problem is because once you saw it, you can't find the merit. That's what we discussed the other day. So it's, a, it's an argument. Not everybody agrees with that. It's an argument. Now in money, in monetary issues for sure, if you saw it, if the court happened to see something, they themselves, they don't need to receive external witnesses. They can do, set the, the Beisden based on their own testimony because they saw it with their own eyes. When it comes to monetary disputes, when it comes to capital punishment situations, then it's an argument. Between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfan. The Dasa Rambam, the Rambam holds the The law is like Rabbi Tarfan that they could. The Nasim Dayanim, that, that Rabbi Tarfan holds that a basin that saw something, they could become. I think it's Kesef Mishnah, Seif Perikei. Like it says in Kesef Mishnah, Seif Perikei, how the Rambam Paskins that way. But the laws of Toisvis holds the Allah Rabbi Akiva. The laws of Rabbi Akiva that you don't accept it. So the same you can argue since you don't accept it. So you can argue that you can't, that the first generation who saw it, right, they can't be considered the base. They're the witnesses. They're not the base. Especially since it's such a severe case like establishing the validity of the Torah. We demand the highest level. So you have separate witnesses and separate judges. So therefore the generation who saw it, they can't be the judges on it. They can only be the witnesses on it. But it's even according to this opinion, it's also good. 
because they testified not to their children but to their grandchildren. The children not because the children were there too. <laughs> but because the, the grandchildren that were born already later, they heard about this amazing story. And all their Zaydis and Bubbies told them what they saw. Those who did not stand at Maimed Har Sinai. And they didn't see it. They themselves who didn't see. They were the first. They were the Bezdin. And their parents. The parents were testifying to the next generation, to their children. And they are the witnesses, and they are the court, and once it's accepted in court, it's filed, sealed, and done, and now it's already Maisa Beisden. Whoever said that they went and they told their children, when did they tell them? Maybe Pesach by the Seder. When did they tell them? He says, when they saw their parents say every day, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem That's testimony, what they experienced, the unity of God. He says, just by hearing them say, Shema Yisrael, that's where the children heard their fathers, the, the testimony from their fathers of what they experienced. I think it's supposed to be V'chein, not V'kan. See, again, another mistake here. And the same when they saw their parents fulfilling all the mitzvahs. What's greater testimony than that? That they're doing the things that they heard at Arsinai. This is all testimonials to the to the experience of Har Sinai. But then you're going to say, hold, uh, children, witnesses are not kosher when they're relatives. I, uh, uh, judges need to receive witnesses of people that are not relatives. And these are all relatives. You see how he's really working his way halachically. How can they be abased in for their parents' testimony when they're all relatives? So the Tzemach says it's a simple solution. Yeah, I can't receive from my own father, but there's another thing, there's a whole generation over here of all the other people. You know, Yankel, uh, you know, Goldberg who lives around the corner. He's okay. He's not my relative. He, he, he saw it. And then this, this man saw it. And that man saw it. And this woman saw it. And they, you have millions of people who saw it. So the children don't have to receive it from their own parents. They were able to receive it from all the other people that davened in their shul. Every single one of them. <laughs> the MK, M10, besides those that are in the children program. Everybody else. Because they were all there. The im The children are relatives, are close to their parents. Who psila edus ninu, and therefore their puzzle. Halav kasha. It's not a question. Sha'af al pi sha'av echad kadev libnoi. That one father is close, is a relative to his son. He ne calls shishim ribay anishadim. The six hundred thousand that are left over, kshedim loy. They're all kosher. V'chein lechaveroi. It's kosher for for his friend. The same thing. V'nimtza kol beizdin ubeizdin the Yisrael. Every court. Let's, let's not say that every Jew. Let's not say that every Jew himself is a court. You have to be a valid court. But amongst the Jewish people in the third generation, again, the people went out of Mitzrayim, their children, and let's go. They were also there in the next generation. They are not there. They had Batedinim. They had a Bezdin. I don't know. There was this Bezdin, there was that Bezdin. Bezdin Kahal Tzedek. Bezdin this. Bezdin. That were the Batedinim that were there during the third generation. All those people were makabal the Eidos from everybody that was there who saw it with their own eyes, Kabbalah Eidos. So it was a Kabbalah Eidos in a Beisden. Once it was filed away in the Beisden, it's established as a truth that was seen, and these people saw it with their own eyes. It's not Eid Mepi Eid, and they're not hearing it, one witness telling the other witness. They saw it themselves, and therefore it has the full testimony of something that was seen. 
V'chol beizvin, to kol beizvin and the beizvin Yisrael shamu edisam. Every beizvin heard the edus al kabbalas haTorah on the acceptance of the Torah. Me edus kesherim from true witnesses. Okay, hi gavna netaka inyan midor ledor, and then it was passed from generation to generation. Ve'ein loch edus gadol mizeh. You don't have a stronger testimony. Imagine the everybody saw it. Everybody walks into Basin. Every single person that's alive in the entire Eretz Yisrael is walking in as test of... Like, you know, by Kiddush HaKodesh, they used to ask everybody to come. To who saw the new moon. And then they used to say that even if, you know, you think everybody else saw it, you should come. They had thousands of witnesses coming. Basin only needed two. Here you had everybody. Everybody was testifying the same thing. So the basic idea is already stated in the introduction to the Chinuch. So now we know that the Pasuk is saying it well. The Eidos, the testimony of God, is trustworthy. Because the witnesses saw it literally. We turn over the page. Not just knowing it, and not stam witnesses. Shishim riboy edim, six hundred thousand witnesses. Hoyu levad menoshim. In addition to the women, v'taf and children, uzikenim, and didn't count even the older. So you got a few million people who saw it with their own eyes. V'kulam aidu lifnei beizdin hagadol, and all of them testified in front of the big beizdin. Yoiser meshishim riboy more than six hundred thousand. And then it was passed on. Now again, the next generation doesn't have to have witnesses anymore. Because again, once something is filed in Basin, because they're already not kosher as witnesses, because they're already hearing a testimony which was heard from a testimony. But that's a different story. Once it's Basin, Basin doesn't, the act of a Basin doesn't need, it's not considered any more testimony. When Basin accepted something, it's true. Finished. It's truth. There's no more fire tickets. Done. Now, reaches us in our generation. The Hashta now in, in Perikei says that Semach Tzedek, Oser Shapir Tuva, comes out really well. My Damashma Bekra, this that it implies and seems to imply in the Pasek, the Maimed Har Sinai, Levad, who Arayel in Avuas Moshe. Like the Ramam said earlier, that the only proof we accept to the Nevuah of Moshe was only Maimed Har Sinai. God actually tells Moshe Rabbeinu, Vagam B'chay Aminu they're going to believe in you, how are they going to believe in you? Because of Matan Torah. So Lechuri, you can say, well, why is that the only proof to Moshe's prophecy that Moshe was a prophet? I mean, Moshe did some really pretty cool stuff. So we, why isn't anything else that Moshe did considered the proof? And the answer is because everything else is not seeing. What's the prophet? To see that Moshe is a prophet, you can see the circumstantial evidence that he's a prophet, or you can see the prophecy coming from God's mouth to him. So the Tzemach says is going to say that only Har Sinai was the moment when we saw the communication happening. All other times, we have a person who without a question is a prophet because he must be taught getting his power from God. That, that's for sure. And we have all the facts and we have all the calculations and we have all the proofs to it, but we don't have the one thing, the visual of seeing. And here is the only visual, and there's nothing as compelling as a visual itself. And that's why nothing can meet that level of certainty. And nothing can be equated to that level of certainty. And that's why the Abishter says, this will be the ultimate 
the ultimate proof to it all. Is the proof to the Nevu of Moshe. Shehi MS that it's true. It doesn't have any question. It doesn't have any any way. There's no real. Like the Ramam says, because it says in the Pasuk. God says, I am coming to you with the thickness of a cloud. So that the people will hear when I speak to you. God tells Moshe Rabbeinu that this event is going to cause them to believe in you and forever. We can ask a big question. With other prophets, how do we know the other prophets are true? With other prophets, we didn't see the prophecy. Yet, we, be, we, we believe Shmuel Anavi is Anavi. We believe that Elio Anavi is Anavi. We know El, Elisha Anavi was Anavi. Why? There were signs and wonders. Even though we didn't see, I think that's what he means, we didn't see by them that they themselves should see the substance of the divine. That's what a prophet is. But we don't see that they saw the substance of the divine. How do we see that? The Ramam answers. Why it's different with Moshe than by all the Nevi'im. It's true, the Ramam says. Our certainty in all the other prophets is not the same certainty like Moshe. And the truth is we do have, I'm sorry, we do have an absolute certainty on all the prophets with the same certainty of Moshe. But that's not because of the signs that they make. That's because Moshe Rabbeinu, who he, he's, Moshe Rabbeinu is established that he's a prophet because we saw the act of prophecy. We saw the, we, we have the testimony on that. We saw it, that he's God's man. And God talks to him with our own eyes. Once Moshe was established with that level of validity, and then Moshe gives you instructions of who to believe and not to believe, so Moshe set up a system that God said, based on that you believe. So we believe in the prophets not because, and Moshe said that when a prophet comes and he's a tzaddik and he's a good man and he's not contradicting the Torah and he tells you that he's a prophet and he does signs and wonders, then you should believe him. So the Ramam says it's not, but you're not believing the signs and wonders. The signs and wonders are one of the qualifications that a prophet has to give that Moshe said that that's how God is going to prove a prophet. Now we believe Moshe and because we believe Moshe that gives us the belief in all. So now all the prophets are believable with the same belief like we believe in Moshe. Why? Because we're using Moshe to validate every prophet. As long as we're following Moshe's instructions of how to establish the validity of a prophet, Moshe is established because we saw with our own eyes Hashem speaking to him. We never had that with any other prophet that we can see Hashem speaking to the prophet. No, but Moshe Rabbeinu tells us instructions in the Torah of how to know whether a Navi is real. Moshe tells the Yidin in this week's parsha that the Abish is promising that throughout the generations, throughout time, he's going to set up Naviim just like Moshe. That means God is going to communicate with them. And then Hashem says, how will you know if the prophet is telling truth? If the prophet will say things that are going to happen, and they happen, then you, and you know he's a tzaddik. If it's a guy who's, who's doing all kinds of whatever and he's, he's, he's not, then you don't, you don't, he's not following the ways of the Torah, he's immediately disqualified. But someone who's a tzaddik and is worthy to prophecy, you can see in him that he's a holy Jew. And, and he also, he has, to, he has to show some signs. If he doesn't, unless, the only way it's, a, a prophet doesn't have to show signs that he's a prophet is if another prophet who's established himself as a prophet testifies that he's a prophet. 
Because again, when a, we, a, a prophet is trusted. That's the idea. 100%. But why do we trust the prophet? Because we tested him with the tests that Moshe said we should test him. And even though there's a possibility that it's not right, that there's something that he made, a, that he's... But we're following, we're following the law that Moshe gave us and we can rely on Moshe's... Now Moshe's tests are foolproof. And therefore, we know it's... We, we believe the prophet. So, it's possible that this guy has some connections to some spiritual energies and he's not a prophet and he's a liar. He's an imposter. I, how does he make signs? He's using magic. He's using some other, other forces, which people sometimes do and they have certain, he's a psychic and has certain powers and certain knows. And maybe that's where his sign, that's where his, his signs are coming from these, from this non, non-kosher place. You still have to listen to him. Why? Even though we don't know for certain. Because Moshe Rabbeinu said that if you have someone who you have no reason to be suspect of, and he, he, he does a few signs, then I say he's a real prophet. So then, that's it. So we're following the law. Just like to know the law of what's muktzah and what's not muktzah on Shabbos. We have to follow what Moshe Rabbeinu taught us, what the laws of Shabbos are. And that's how we establish muktzah from not muktzah. How do we establish kosher from not kosher? We have to follow the laws of what Moshe Rabbeinu told us, what's kosher and what's not kosher. How do we establish who's a prophet and who's not a prophet? We have to follow the laws of Moshe, of how Moshe told us to determine whether a prophet is a prophet. Now we believe in him because now Moshe told us to believe in him. But, 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 but it all goes back to Moshe. And how do we know Moshe? We saw it. That we have already first hand witness. Just like we're also told. For example, in any case, we were commanded that Bezdin decides any judgment, they decided based on two witnesses. Do we know for sure that the witnesses told the truth? Maybe they didn't. Maybe the witnesses are liars. Two people come to Bezdin. But Moshe said, when two witnesses come, and you, you have to investigate them and question them, and if according to all your investigation and research and all, all the interrogations, there you, can, you couldn't puncture, punc- puncture any holes in their testimony, then we accept what they are saying as fact, and you have to halachically follow them. That's the law. Even though a person can say, I don't know if it really happened doesn't make a difference. This is the truth. Now it's established as the truth because so the same Moshe Rabbeinu told us that a prophet prophet is, is established based on A, B, and C. This is the criterion. And this commandment came to us through Moshe. Now we understand. So now we understand very simple why Moshe has to be a whole different level, a whole different level than all. Everybody else can make a, you know cool stuff, cool stuff, and we can accept it because we have something backing it that's absolute. We have Moshe's commandment to listen, but Moshe himself needs to establish it on a much deeper level than every other prophet, because he is going to be the the he is going to be the the one who validates every prophet. So his level, his standard of belief in him has to be on a couple of notches higher. Or not just say a couple of notches at a whole new level. And that's the idea. That, that's why he can't be established based on his signs. Even though he had a pretty impressive resume. That was not, that's not it.
We couldn't believe in only through Prague. Maybe there's always a possibility that maybe he did the signs through magic. And who is going to tell us that he's a real prophet? All the other prophets, we can rely that they're real prophets. No, Moshe doesn't have a Moshe backing him. Since Moshe doesn't have a Moshe backing him, he's the original, so he needs to go 100%. But all the other prophets have a Moshe backing them. So therefore, we can... So the Ramam says, all the other ones we can get the, we can validate them through Moshe. Okay. However, the Tzemach Tzedek is not so happy with the Rambam's answer. He says it's a little kvetchy. Why? Because according to the Rambam, the whole problem with every, with, with, with believing through signs and wonders And why we can't, we can't believe in Moshe because of that is because every sign and wonder, it's possible, it's not necessarily coming from God. In other words, there are other forces in the world that can manipulate nature to a certain degree. And therefore, you don't know. You don't really know because someone can do really cool stuff and fly in the sky. And Bilam was also flying in the sky, you know. Others can do, uh, 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 he was not a prophet, but the flying in the sky to hurt the Jewish people was not his prophecy. He was using forces of darkness, klippas. So there's always possibility, chas v'shalem, right? For some, some manipulation. So that's what the Tzemach Tzedek is saying in the name of the Rambam. And that's why. Oh, but on the other prophets, it's not a problem because we're following Moshe Rabbeinu's instructions. But on Moshe, we need it. But the Tzemach Tzedek says there are certain miracles that no one else can do but God. For example, the sorcerers of Egypt said that they couldn't make the kinim. Kinim is the lice. The third makkah, they said it. Why? Because it says magic cannot have an effect on tiny little creatures that are smaller than a uh, uh, small little bean or something. Magic has to take a hold on something a little larger. And that's why the kinim, which was so tiny, they gave up. They said, this is the finger of God. Moshe did produce the kingdom. So you see, you know, he's got on his re- he's got tricks that no other magician was able to do. So if the if that's the case, so why did we need why are we saying that only a Sinai validates Moshe? If Moshe can do some miracle that no one else can do but Hashem, then we know he's a godly man. But so so that's what the Tzemach Tzedek is aiming. Why do we need in Moshe Rabbeinu only a Sinai? The answer, he says, is because even if there is no question in the truth of something, it's not a question. It's 1,000% that it's coming from Hashem. It's still not. Why? Not because you're questioning its truth, but because it doesn't impress itself so deeply like when you saw it with your own eyes. When we said earlier, remember, there's a fundamental difference between knowledge that comes to you from proofs and knowledge that comes from you from something that you visually saw. This is you see the substance, and this is you know the facts. What? A much deeper Roshan. Why? Because you experience the substance of it, not just the, not just the thing. And therefore, all the signs and wonders that he did is not the thing. It's when we saw the communication coming from Hashem to Moshe. 
And that's the highest level of it. That's what he's explaining. This is problematic. We find in the Pasuk, there are different miracles that can't be done only for a true Navi. That God is the one who does the Moifis. Like the, the sorcerers or the magicians of Paro set the Paro. By the Makkah, by the, by, the, by the plague of the lice. It's a, it's, it's, it's a finger of God. That God stops the sun. So you see, stopping the sun is not something that anybody can do. To stop the sun, that that you got that, that only God is in charge of that. <laughs> Yeshua stopped the sun, you know. So from the Gemara implies that there are certain very big things that only Hashem can do. So it's explained. Stopping the sun in the middle of the sky. Cannot be done with sorcery or some other dark force. So the Nevuah could be established. Moshe's Nevuah could have been established through such miracles. But that, therefore, the Tzemach Tzedek says, it's not, it's not only because these, this doesn't prove it 100% and this proves it 100%, but rather, no, both prove it 100 but still, seeing something is on a whole different level. The main difference is, like we said earlier in Sif Aleph, by knowing something, by knowing its facts, by knowing its substance, if someone believes in a Navi, through signs and wonders, even though it's absolute true, which cannot be done through anybody but God, knowing this is only the knowing of facts, you know the existence of God, you know an existence of it through the Navi, you know that he is somehow connecting to a force that is limitlessness, that is limitless, and someone that has no end. That he's omnipotent. Only God can make such a miracle. In other words, when you saw something that, it, that, that only an infinite being can do, so then you're witnessing a proof, 100% proof that there is an infinite being who is, who, is, who, is, who is interacting with the world. Now, that you saw in the miracle. Now, since it's coming through this individual, so you know that this individual is communicating with this infinite being. Okay, so that's a proof. This is a very clear knowledge. Because Hashem made this, Hashem is now doing this miracle in a revealed way through this tzaddik, through this great man, because God wants us to listen to him. God wants us to listen to this individual to know that he's a godly man. Like it says in this week's parsha, a love tishmoin. You should listen to the navi. which is in the case by Ma'amid Arsinai, it's much more than that. We didn't have proof in the existence of an infinite being that we don't see. We saw the infinite. Yes, we saw the infinite being. Not we are certainly exist because this couldn't have happened through any other path. We saw the infinite being himself. 
That's what he's saying. Because they had nevuah then. That's the point. They had a vision. And they experienced firsthand the, the, the mohus, the substance of the divine. And how? It's traveling from God to Moshe. It is adifa tuva. It is much better than grasping the facts, calculations, mathematical, mathematical proofs, or whatever it is. as it is known, Like we know, for this reason, you can't compare hearing something to seeing something. When you see something, it makes it, it etches it so much deeper in you. And that's because it's a different quality of experience. Like I said before, it's sensual. You're, you're using your physical senses to experience it. It's not, it's not some disconnected mental uh, um, uh, uh, knowledge. And that's why it registers so deeply in you. That's why it impacts us so deeply when we see something. When we only hear something, when we only know and recognize the existence of something, it's because of this through the Maimed through the event at Sinai, the belief in God etched itself. That's what you keep on saying. It's making a huge Roshem, it's making a huge imprint in the essence and in their innermost of their soul. And this is the meaning, also in you, Moshe, they're going to believe, this can never be erased. That's why we believe in Moshe Rabbeinu plays such a major role in our lives every day. Can I eat this? Can I not eat this? Can I kosher? Not? It's, all, it's all Moshe. Moshe, who gave the instructions? All these things, every single thing you're doing in Yiddish. Gotta daven mincha, gotta put on film, gotta do this, gotta make a bracha, gotta make a ashayotza, gotta make a. Every single thing is Moshe Rabbeinu. Every, you, you have no idea how much Moshe Rabbeinu dictates your day. Everything, everything about our life is Moshe Rabbeinu. Because it's God's mitzvah, but how do we know? How do we know anything we do as a Jew, from your negelvasser to, to your Krishna Shalamit, anything? Because the rabbis told them, who the rabbis, the rabbis are all basing their, 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 their teachings on premises of Torah, which go back to Moshe. So Moshe has the most influence on every person. At least us as Jews are keeping Torah. So, so, and that's because Moshe is so true to us. He's so true. So he's, he's carved in our souls because of what we've seen with our own eyes. Me, you Afapi, now we go quickly, the last, very gishmak. Me, Afapi. Now, so now the Tzemach Tzedek says, it's going to turn it around. Tzemach Tzedek says, even though it is so powerful, our belief in motion, so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean that we don't have the other type of experiences with, the God, with God in which we can understand and appreciate and come to an awareness of Hashem through mental cognition, even if it's not sensual. And that's other things that we see within the world that is absolute proof that there is an infinite being that's in charge. So there are other... And that we have even today, he says, coming to us through tzaddikim and, and the like. Even though we don't have this vision anymore, since our, when Mashiach comes, we're going to have that again. But before Mashiach comes, we don't have that, but we still have some powerful means of experiencing firsthand that the Abishter is real. Me, even though even though grasping the substance is more powerful than knowing the existence. Hi, no, Mashim Inyan. And that is because it brings it much closer to the very to your very being, because you've seen it. Also, through knowing the existence, 
Something can become very clear that it exists. You see, all signs and wonders that anybody did, when you see a tzaddik, for example, and the tzaddik does signs and miracles. So how do you know that you have to take the tzaddik so seriously? Because you know he's a... You know. You see. You see that he said this is going to happen and it happened. You see he said this is going to happen. You see he's a Baruch HaKodesh. You see that he gives brachas and there are... You see sick people that the doctors gave up on and he's a tzaddik. And now you know that the tzaddik speaks. He, he's got connections. And then when the tzaddik tells you something, to behave, to do something, so and so, this is what you should do. You have to do it. It usually pays to listen. It usually works out if you listen. If you don't listen, then it usually doesn't. And you say, oh, if only I would have listened. Why? Oh, but there, you don't have a first-hand experience of the Ebishter. You only have proofs to the existence of God because you see supernatural powers. And that proves that there must be someone... He must have someone backing him up that's invisible that I don't have access to, but he's got access to it. That's why he can do these things. I can't. He says, This is the idea of all signs. That with them, and through them, it it clarifies, The truth of the existence of God. And even though it could be proven even without a miracle, by, by seeing yourself alive, you know there's an existence of God. In other words, you don't need only miracles to prove the existence of God. F- from nature itself, from being alive. Why? Because you see that you're alive, and you know that your life is not because your body is alive, you know it's a soul. And then you realize that the whole world is alive, so it must be a soul to the world. What's the soul to the world? God is the soul of the world. Let's explain further in the Sefer. But yet, miracles add an extra oomph. And you can also prove that not only that there is a God, but that God is busy with the world. Not that God departed. Like there were those who believed that there was an initial God, but the God disappeared. He lets the world run on its own. Now, God is interacting with the world. And you, can, and you can also prove the existence of that God communicates with man from signs. That, that's, what a, that's what a Navi does. He shows a sign and a wonder that people should realize that he knows what's going to happen, you know, in three weeks from now that no one knows. So you know that what? That he's a real prophet. Right, so again. Like the Rambam says in his book of mitzvahs, the Ramban says, earlier we recording from the Rambam, now from the Ramban. Ramban says, Nachmanari says, the exodus of Egypt that was done with signs and wonders, which changed the natural nature of things, they all indicate on a primordial God, Someone who has a will and is able and can do new things in the world. Not just a stale, static, dead God who like has, no, not, who has a will and he wants something from the world and is capable and is, and is renewing the world. He first of all created the world from nothing and is able therefore to change it and to manipulate and to re- reorganize and do whatever he wants. And that's why Yitzhiz Mitzrayim we know is such a, one of the other fun that Harsinai is like on a level that nothing can compare to because we saw. But Yitzhiz Mitzrayim too 
serves as a major base for our faith. That's why we always say, Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We use Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim as a major um, um, conviction in our, in, our, in our way of life. She'in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim li'yoidov, those who know the idea of the going out of Egypt, the Rambam says, Meshatek kol koifer, silences every apostate, every denier. Bechidush, those who deny that the world once was not and was created. Because if the world always was, means that these systems are absolute. If they're absolute, no one can change them. But if someone, in a, if, if a programmer programmed the computer, he, 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 he can change the program because he's the programmer. But if it always was, then no one can change it. So Yetzirah Mitzrayim proves that the world was once not. Since God reprogrammed everything, nature, during that time, it was a clear display that there was someone who, and it substantiates our faith, in the knowledge of God, and God's providence, in his capability, in the detail, and in the general, these are the words of the Ramban. So says also in Tur, for this reason, how does Kiddush al Shabbos have to do? You're making Kiddush Friday night, tomorrow night. What does it have to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim? It's not Pesach. Pesach, I understand. Yitzhak. The answer is since Shabbos is here to prove that what? That God created the world in six days. What? How do we know that that's true? We weren't there. No one saw the creation happen. When we saw Yitzhak Mitzrayim happen, it added validity to Bereshit's Baralakim. So on Shabbos, when we're making Kiddush and we're testifying that God's the boss of the whole world and God created the world in six days, we're using Yitzhak Mitzrayim as a support for it. The Kiddush of Shabbos. Shabbos Shabbos is also indicative. Shabbos is we're keeping Shabbos because God created the world and Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is like the icing on the cake to to fully prove that. And the explanation of the matter is as follows. Now he's going to explain a little deeper why is it that when a miracle happens in the physical world it is an indication of a force that's absolutely infinite that transcends the creation. And dafka physical miracles. In other words, not spiritual things. When, when something happens and that is concrete in the physical, that's really what is the ultimate indicator of an infinite supreme being that transcends all the rules and all the systems. And the Tzema Tzedek is going to explain why. It's explained elsewhere by Makam Achashiyash Beis Bechinois. There are two levels. There is, because really the question is like this. What we're really saying is that God is not just the originator of a system, He is infinitely transcends any system. He's above and beyond it all. Um, not just that God is the first state of existence where everything evolves from Him. Because if everything evolves from Him, that, that, just evolving from God means that he is, he is state, and this is the way the philosophers and thinkers used to think. God is the first, first existence, and from him evolves through a process of evolving worlds, and you know, comes out of eventually worlds, and so on and so on. But then God would be to a certain degree subject to, to, um, to some degree of, of what is. And even if he can move things around a little bit, but he would be able to move things around only with a certain limited effect. The fact that the Abishta can change things completely, yesh 
like something from nothing. That's the main chiddush over here. So let's see over here. He says, There is the evolving element from cause to cause. And then there is an interaction where God interacts with the world, not through a channeling of, through an evolving evolution, but there is an a, 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 a interaction with the world that comes from without any, any stages. It's not through a system. It's just direct from... Not through evolution. Not through any evolution. The Indian... No, but evolution... In creation itself, there is an element of evolution. But yet, there is the idea of a pure creativity, something from nothing. Yeah. And the idea of of evolving from cause to cause. They're always the rule is like this. When there is an evolution, what's called an evolution of cause and effect. So each cause is... is is the, um, the, 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 the consequence, the, the effect, is similar to the, to the cause. Because there's a reason why this thing causes that. So there is a similarity, there is a, a, a certain um, um, matching up between, and that's why this, this can be seen as the cause for that, and then from this you can get to this, and from this you can get to that, because it makes sense. There is some kind of a connection where one thing substantiates the next. For instance, the concept of when you appreciate something is beautiful, something is wonderful, something is good, then you will suddenly create an excitement about it. So the excitement is a natural derivative. Why are you excited, excited about it? Because you appreciate its value, its goodness. So you're getting excited about it. So you can see that this follows this. Now, if you appreciate that something is wonderful, and sweet, and delicious, and beautiful, and not harmful, the opposite, good for you, Rever, you're not going to experience any resentment and a hatred, because that doesn't, it's not a matching emotion to be produced by such a, by a understanding of goodness and wonder, and right? Or the opposite, when you experience something as extremely ugly, horrific, terrible, dangerous, uh, whatever, you're not going to experience this awesome, fiery attraction to it because it's not matching it. Is that what I'm saying? So there, the, 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 the things evolve, one thing is me'ain, the thing where it's producing it. Um, and it has a, a comparison, it has some kind of a connection. Like the Ramam says that each level, each malach, each angel that evolves from a higher malach, Every malach, the, 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 the next level angel, can grasp a tenth of what the previous angel, higher than him. Because there's a system. Angel produces another angel, produces another angel, and it's each one watered down, less and less and less quality. But this one is a tenth of the plum before him. So he has a, some kind of a connection. Or yasidus, mini yasidus, or maybe a hundredths. That's like a super, a super descent from one level to the next. That he is a hundredths of the power of the previous, it's a reduction. But there is still an equivalence. It's 1% of what was before. It's 10% of what was before. Right? Okay. And there is this system. In the higher worlds, example, we have a lion, right? So we know in the Merkava, in the chariot, there is a lion. So from the face of the lion, which is the supreme angel, Michael, is a lion. So from him come other angels. 
And, there's, and they're similar to the lion. They have the quality of the lion. They're very passionate. They're very fiery. But they're much weaker. As it descends, it gets weaker and weaker. Till through this very, very long chain-like descent, it becomes so diluted, 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 because it goes through a, a, a million, gazillion dilutions. Till it becomes the soul of the physical line that you encounter in the zoo or in the African Sahara. Right? You go there, you see a lion. Now, a lion is a fierce being. But it's only a minuscule crumb of a crumb of the spiritual lion up, who is just a crumb of the higher spiritual lion. Eh? And if you would get to see that original lion in the chariot, boy, is that a ferocious lion. Whoa, whoa. that's a lion of lions. And the same is on the other side, on the left side. The face of the ox, which produces the, the physical ox, is also, but we're not talking about the physical ox. The soul of the spiritual ox comes from the ox that's in the chariot. Now who produces this whole evolution? God is the one who orchestrates God is the one who orchestrates and diminishes these each level to download something less and less and dilutes it. And he makes, nothing happens on its own. Hashem is the master of this evolution. But this evolution happens. However, this will only produce this entire lengthy, consequential, evolving system will ultimately only include, eventually, no matter how far you go, will only produce a spiritual being. A weaker spirit, but yet a spirit. It won't produce in physical matter. It won't evolve. In other words, you can reduce and reduce spiritual energy from today till tomorrow. You're never going to get to a physical substance. Because physical substance matter is not made up of reduced physical energy, spiritual energy. It's a new entity completely. And only God, who is the master and the infinite being, who has an omnipotent power, who can do the impossible, can actually create a lion. Yeah, the lion will match. Yeah, yes, me, I, and something from nothing. And it will match a spirit, a spirit. And it will become a vessel and a container for this spirit to invest itself in. But at a certain point, it's not the evolving, in, in, an evolving energy evolving. It's a, a, there is a meddling of an infinite supreme power to transition this spiritual force of the universe into matter. Into birth, yeah, yeah, but there, but there still there is a physical fetus that's inside that's coming out. Here we're dealing for it for matter to come into being from non-being, and it's not just the condensate; it's not just the condensing of spiritual energy. It's a whole new entity, the physicality. That's what he's saying. This will only bring about spiritual types of creatures, entities that were already created. But they were created in a very abstract spiritual form. The energies could be reduced and reduced and lessened and lessened to create different forms of spiritual energy that each one is kind of a derivative of something higher than it. <laughs> <laughs>
Then Pnei Arye, Pnei Shor, the face of the lion, the face of the ox, and then all their great, their children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and great 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 grandchildren and great 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 great, meaning all the levels that emerge from it of levels of angels upon angels upon angels, a whole hierarchy of angels. But in order to actually create matter, physicality from the spiritual, this can never happen. This will never happen just by reduction of an energy, just evolving. Even if you have millions and gazillions of contractions, and different types of translations and reductions. And it will descend from cause to effect. From loya ilu, it will never um, be moyel. Moyel meaning it will never uh, um, um, affect to bring about the body of the ox. The body of the ox will never come about from the spiritual element of the soul of the ox. Al now will never evolve from the face of the ox, or that physical earth should be created from any kind of spiritual thing. It will never happen. Because in order for physical matter to be created from spirit, it's like the creation from non, no, from a nothing, from a non-being. Because he put it this way, he's basically saying is physicality and spirituality exist on a whole different plateau of existence. And therefore, the diminishment of it, the diminishment of the diminishment will never, ever, ever result in this because it's in a complete... And therefore, it's like creating something from nothing. It's, it's, it's a non-entity. Um, There's no difference at all. In other words, the fact that, it exi- that, that the lion exists in the spiritual... So let me put it this way. For God to create a physical lion, a physical lion, it doesn't help him that there is a spiritual lion there first, that he can match up the physical. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not any benefit for him because he would, it, 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 it's just as impossible with those spiritual lions or without the spiritual lions to create the, to create the lion. God has to be able to do the impossible to create a, physicality, a physical being. He's creating it something from nothing. Once he creates it, he matches the soul of the spiritual lion. That, yeah, the soul of the lion, the spirit of the lion, yeah, can descend. But, but to create the physical of it, 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 it there's no, it's not even considered a preparation by creating these spirits. It's a whole new entity. Um, uh, physical, ality to the spiritual. You, that you should be able to call it a, a, a bringing into existence from something to something. God just brought it down a couple of more notches and now it's physical. It's original as original can be. There's nothing there to work with when, you, when, you, when, you're, when we are producing matter. And since to create something from nothing is a is a the distance from something to nothing is, is, is a quantum difference it's an absolute difference and only a being who has infinite power limitless power is able to make from no to yeah 
This is the power of, of, of only the infinite one. Habilti Balgavul, who has no limit, Shuakol Yochel, who is the omnipotent one, and he can create Lahavas Dovar to create something from absolute nothingness. Like the Alter Rebbe explained in great length, now we're holding the last part, the last two quickly. It's not the last, second to the last, but we're almost there. And since so, just like the, the, the creation of the physical requires a, a inter, intervening of God's omnipotent self to create, the same is also to change the physical and to make to make new physical phenomenon by doing miracles within the physical requires, since it's impacting the physical world, requires an omnipotent being to do so. And that's why you, you watch a change in nature in the physical world, like a whole new... For example, bread comes from the earth. When you see bread coming from the heaven for 40 years, that's a display that the infinite being is interacting with the world. Because that could not happen... through. Other than an infinite being. Because bread from the heaven is a, is a new creation. It's a new existence. It never existed. That, that, that's yesh me'ayin. That's the point. God didn't take bread from the earth and remanufacture it in heaven. It's a whole new metzias. Yesh me'ayin. And therefore also a sign and a, and a miracle. Hamishana told Agashmi. It changes the physical... Um, the physical uh, entity. Like the miracles of the Exodus, and the splitting of the sea. Haslov, the bringing of the fatty birds. Vahamon, and the descent of the bread, the mon. Vahbe'er, and the, and the miracle of the water. The water came out of rock. Vahnane'akov, and the clouds of glory. Okay, I got, and then all of these stuff. Shakulam elispailus inyan gashmi, which all of them are the physical being excited, the physical being impacted. Shaloi kefiyateva, not based on a system that we always see. There is the regular system of, of, of nature. But now suddenly, now that too is created yesh from God, but that, since that runs in a predictable system, it's possible to forget that that's God. And that seems just to be, uh, you know, the way the world, uh, the way, you know, nature has, mother nature has formed itself. Like giraffes have decided that for many, many years, they, they, they used to have, they happened to live in an area where the, where the fruit was very, very tall. So they kept on stretching and stretching and stretching. And after six billion years, they stretched their height so high that now they can eat from a high place. Right? Like the <laughs> so you can, you can come up with such stories and such theories and such gewaldic for everything. Besides when it comes to the exodus of Egypt. <laughs> and God says, let my people go. And suddenly afterwards... Bang, 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 bang. There's phenomenon. Things are happening in the world that are just, you know. So, shaloi yeah. It's definitely That's a display. Now, that's not something we see. We don't see the infinite, but we see the consequences of the infinite. And therefore, we can come to a certainty that he exists. 
The power of the Ein Sof, the, omnipot- the, omnipot- the infinite one, the limitless one, that he himself can create yesh mei'ayin, something from nothing. And because he can create something from nothing, he can change it into an utterly new entity. He can convert it, even though there's no explanation on nature how a dry stone becomes water. There's no, in a stone, there's actually a potential for fire, not water. And yet, here the fire of the stone becomes a, a, a water. As he wishes. Which is not in the power of Shumalach, of any angel. The Saraf and Serp, and, and, and uh, Saraf is like a, a spiritual serpent. Not serpent, a spiritual, what do you call a Saraf? Serafim, a fiery angel, Chasrashal. Gashmi. Because the the, the, the the malachim cannot do that because the physical is in a complete different realm. The and an angel on his own has on his own unless he's being sent by God. If he's being sent by God, an angel to do a miracle, then God imbues in him the power, and he's just he's just a courier. He's just the 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 the, the, the one carrying the energy. But if he's not being appointed by God and he wants to initiate it on his own, he has no power. Shim koyach lifrel bin yonim gashmim. He has no power to affect the physical. Kanal Only through the will of the Ein Sof. who is limitless. He can do two things. He can create yesh and create something from nothing. And because he creates it, something from nothing, he has, he has the patent. <laughs> He's the only one who has the patent who can undo it and change it to whichever way he wants it. And to convert them, and to bend them, to any way he wants it. Then, once God wants to do it, he can, he can appoint an angel. To, 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 he appointed Moshe to do it. Just like he appointed, he can do it through an angel, he can do it through Moshe, he can do it through anybody. Then a malach can also do something, a physical impact, in the shlichus of the Eibishter Davka, for who is Baruch Ha'oseh Zayis, and and only God is the one who does it. The will of the of the of the limit of the limitless one, It's not the angel. It's not the force of the angel. The angel is only the one who has been appointed as the agent to carry it through. Like it says, so whatever God desires, He does. So now He concludes. When the maskel, when the wise men will contemplate with the abundance of miracles and wonders, that God has done for us when we went out of Egypt, the Nesamon and the miracle of the Mon. Hismid Arbaim Shana, which continuously continued for 40 years. A miracle that we woke up to for f- and, 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 and every day for 40 years, besides on Shabbos and Yom Tev. Every day of 40 years are now. God was giving us a lesson then. 40 years, every day He showed us the infinite. Begiloi Rav with an incredible revelation. Ha'arasa Yisbarach Abulti Bagvul. His his radiance that's limitless. That's limitless. Shazulasai, which other than him, Efshe Yerida Vesavazu. This could not. This descent and this coming into being would not be possible. Kineskliel. V'chein b'sharei nisim. And so to the other miracles. 
Like we saw in the, in the, mir- in the miracles, Elisha resurrected the baby, and then uh, the, the oil kept on pouring and pouring and pouring and never ending. And Elio and Avi brought down the, the, you know, the fire, and then and all the other miracles that are going on. When this happens, it will be deeply etched in a person's heart. The Yitzayer, and one can imagine, it's not like, it's not seeing, but you could, you could, you could um, experience it as if you're seeing. Miracles have a huge impact on us because they bring us up and close to an experience of the infinite. Like it says, I put God before me all the time. Now, uh, Tzadik is able to extract that from nature itself, and we sometimes need a little tweak in nature to be able to see that. And what kind of effect does that do to us? That causes us to fear. The yepachad, and it causes us to have dread, mimenu, from God. The yevish mimenu, it causes us to be ashamed of him. Why to be ashamed? Because he's watching us all the time, and suddenly we realize, hey, right? When you realize that he's watching you. We even become ashamed when we, when, when we weren't aware that, that we thought we were alone and some shmendrik was watching us. How much more so when it's God himself that's, that's watching us. When the Ebishta understands, umabit and is staring down, umazin, God is listening. He's not only listening to everything you say, he's listening to all your thoughts. All day long. As if he has nothing better what to do than to listen to your thoughts. But that's exactly what he's doing. He listens to every single stupid thought. And when we realize that, um, we really are a little ashamed. And that's why the word tzaddikim, like Rav Nachman of Breslov, would, would become literally, like he would blush. He would turn like in, 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 in shame in front of Hashem. Like tzaddikim were that way. They, they just like, they, they, they suddenly, it would like dawn upon them and suddenly they, they, like, like, they, they were overtaken with a powerful sense of shame. Not shame that they did something not good, but just like, the diburav and, and of one's actions, or myself and uh, and speech and actions. The and God is counting every step of yours. The so that's on the that's that's on the fear side on the pro. The but it will also create this this experience this when you're this this powerful recognition of the divine, which comes through seeing miracles or meditating on the miracles. What will that bring you? Yisave will create a taiva, which means a longing. The yichsoif koysef rav, and a person will have a great longing and a desire and a and a, and a leida as to know him better, to know the infinite one better, the great. Masha efsha leida as much as it's possible to know. The kach kaseh b'shari tshuva l'rabenu yoyna. This is how Rabbeinu yoyna says in his sefer shari tshuva. Shemaylas is boinim migdulasi is barach. He speaks about the great quality of a person contemplating God's greatness, v'zichrin chasadav, and remembering his kindnesses. Rabbeinu Yonah says that contemplating God's kindness to us and the greatness and the miracles, it's a, it's a positive commandment that we're supposed to do that all the time. Now the Tzemach Tzedek concludes, this is the miracles that happened when? Way back in the days of the prophets. Now the Tzemach Tzedek says, we don't have to go back 2,000 years for this. In every generation, gam achar 
even after the prophets. Hashem Yisbarach Mada Oisois, God shows signs, Umoifsim and wonders be Yisrael amongst the Jewish people. Kamoi Metanoim, like there were miracles that the that the sages of the Mishnah, the Tanoim, would do. Like Rapinchas Ben Yar split the sea. Not the sea, a river. When he came to a river, he said, split before me, it split. And so on and so forth are miracles and miracles that happened. But Rabchanina Ben Daisa was a great miracle worker and others. The Amarayim and even the later sages, the sages of the Talmud, they also had, had great performed miracles. The Gemara relates miracles. Umedrashas. Shimon Ba Yochai once told the students, uh, they, the guy wanted gold, and he showed, turned around, he showed him, and he filled an entire valley of gold coins. He said, go, if you want gold, there it is. He filled, literally, he filled the valley up with gold. Now, that was in the days of the Tanoim and Amanoim, and even later, as it is known, Maharo Keach, there was a great sage who lived in the year 12, who lived in the, in the, in the 13th century. He was called Rabbi Lazar Baal Harokeach. 800 and about 850 years ago, or 800 or seven, between 775 and whatever that time, around 800 years ago, there was a certain burst of tzaddikim that had incredible divine inspiration, much more than many generations before them. The Rambam speaks about that. The Rambam says that in 45 years, Navuah is going to return to the Jewish people. It's an amazing passage in the Ramam. The Ramam predicts in his life in 1170, the Ramam says in 44 years, the Ramam had a proof from the Torah that Navua was going to return to the Jewish people because that was a time that Mashiach could have came. And we know that before Mashiach comes, there is going to be an intensification of prophecy in the world. So the Ramam predicted that in 40, 40 years after his, when he wrote this letter, there's going to be an incredible infusion of prophecy. And guess what happened? Suddenly there were tzaddikim that were unlike all the generations before. It was a famed tzaddik, Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid. He wrote the Sefer, Sefer HaChassidim. It's not the Hasidus of the Baal Shem Tov. This is way before. And he was a miracle worker. And he was a, and they had like prophets. His father was also, his father was known as Shmuel HaNavi. That's how they called it. Shmuel, Samuel the Navi. Not the original Shmuel HaNavi. This is a Shmuel HaNavi of the Ramban. It was a great, a great, uh, like, a, like a Baal Ruach HaKodesh. Derived. They will, it says that Ruach HaKodesh never went away from his Beis HaMedrash. He, he was, and so there was also another one, Rabbi Ezra Hanavi. Among, it was a short period of time that there were like spectacular tzaddikim and then kind of the, the, the door was closed and you didn't see it and reappeared with the Arizal. Where suddenly you had a different type of caliber. Not just a scholar. There were always scholars in New Torah. But there was suddenly a burst of people who had divine inspiration close to prophecy. Or not just close, but was prophecy. Ruach HaKodesh, and they had, they were miracle workers. and their friends, they were incredible miracle workers, which means that through them, God was revealed. Then the Arizal came along, again it reappeared. On the Arizal they said, wonders of wonders. Miracles. That God displayed through the Holy Arizal. Like the Bet Yosef, the one who wrote the Shulchan Aruch, he too. Remember, we spoke in the beginning of the class. I mentioned the book Magad Misharim. The Bet Yosef had a visitor every day who came learning with him. He learned with an angel. Magid Ashaluach Loi. That's you know 
That doesn't happen every day that someone has a malach who comes to learn with him. But it didn't stop there. The Tzemach Tzedek says, and after them in the generation before us, the Baal Shem Tov. Because the, the Rebbe explains that this is already a whole new, from the Baal Shem Tov and onward, this is already the return of prophecy as a preparation for the Mashiach. So he says, The Baal Shem Tov, in terms of a person inspired by godly power, Baal Shem Tov was known to Baal Shem. Baal Shem, he was a healer. Everybody from far and wide, everybody came to him. There was no one like him in Yomoyse from the days of the earliest, earliest tzaddikim. Pilei Ploys, wondrous wonders, nisim ayoytsem miracles that were completely outside of the realm of nature. Hoyanidim al yoda, he would perform. They were seen through him. Like I heard from my grandfather, again, the Tzemach Tzedek is saying, I heard this testimony from my grandfather, that's the Alter Rebbe, that he, who is referring to? The Baal Shem Tov, and his great student, the Holy Magid, hear these beautiful words that Tzemach Tzedek says, in a mimer about what his grandfather told him about the Baal Shem Tov and the Magid. He says that both of them, Hoyeroyim had the ability to see across the globe. They could see literally thousands of miles away. Mamish And it wasn't some kind of... Uh, they saw it with their eyes. The same way I looking over here and see you, and I'm not looking... I don't see you actually because I'm wearing my reading glasses and I don't see anybody over here. I'm going to change that right now for the last few lines. Hello, everybody. So now I can see people that are here. But the Baal Shem Tov, without his glasses can actually see physically across the entire world. What was going on in China, what was going on in North Africa, what was going on all over Poland and the Ukraine. He saw, he had literally vision of the entire world. Uh, him and the Magid. <laughs> they said what they saw. The famous story that the Magid once, that something got stolen in his house, a house or whatever, and the Magid said where, who the thief was. And they went and they caught the guy. And the guy came back and he came to the Magid. He said, I don't understand. I understand that you have Ruach HaKodesh. But you have nothing better to look at than thieves stealing things. Come on, you're a tzaddik. You should look at good things. Why are you looking at the, the bad guys? That's what he asked the Magid. The Magid said, I happen to have been in the bathroom. <laughs> when, when a tzaddik is in the bathroom, he, what's the Ruach HaKodesh that he sees? He sees the gun of him. <laughs> it was just in <laughs> Other times. Yeah, yeah, so I, and uh, they said literally what they saw. Literally, and they said it to their students. They saw it. The, you know, the famous Sadiq, the Chayzeh from Lublin. Why was he called the Chayzeh? He was a student of the Magid. One of the youngest students of the Magid. The Chayzeh, the seer. It's called the seer of Lublin because he saw. He had vision. He could see across the world. And how was that? They show you because it was revealed before them, the light that was created on the first day. You know, the light that we have today only gives us vision. When it's dark, we don't see. When it's light, we can see. How far can we see? Because this light is not the original light. The original light that God created gave you x-ray vision across the entire world. Such a brightness. 
God took away that light. He hid it, he hid it they says, because he said that God didn't want, he said the world is not worthy to, and he hid it in the Torah. The supernal light, Hashem hid it in the Torah. But tzaddikim, who look in the Torah, and they can extract that light, and they can see with that light. Um, or it's going to come back when Mashiach comes. That's when we're all going to be prophets. Or Hashem God hid it in the Torah. All these true miracles, Megalim, they reveal to us, They reveal to us today, it's not old news. We get to see through the Tzaddikim, through the Balshemta, through the Magid, he says, we today get to see firsthand a revelation of a supreme infinite being in the world. And then he concludes that Zemach said that Gam is a king, even though I heard this, but I told you earlier is what I heard that my grandfather told me from his rebbies. But you should know what? My grandfather too, he's also in that caliber. He says, Gam is a king, also from my grandfather, from my grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, we heard him telling the future. That means he would say what would happen. And he would hit on the mark to the hearer's breath. That means that the Alter Rebbe was never off when he said something was going to happen. He was never off even one centimeter. He was on target exactly. He hit bullseye on every time the Alter Rebbe predicted anything. And based on this, the Rebbe in the Parsha Shoftim, in Parsha Shoftim, Sicha of Tavshinun Aleph, the Rebbe says based on this that all the Rabbeim were Nevi'im, starting from the Baal Shem Tov, literally are prophets, and the Rebbe said that he, one of the most revealing sikhs that the Rebbe says, the Rebbe says, I myself, he doesn't say these words, but it's as close as he can get to say it. He says, the leader of the generation today is a prophet. And God appointed, and we have to, be, we have to realize how fortunate we are that the Abishter appointed in our generation a prophet close to the caliber of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what the Rebbe says. Who's a generation, our prophet of our generation. And I am telling you that the surah that Mashiach is coming, and I'm telling it to you as a prophecy. That's what the Rebbe says. Not as, I'm telling you, but as a prophecy. So this is, uh, that's why I learned this this week, because the, I'm running off on that. In any case, that's the mimer. What a good mimer and geshmaka mimer to come back into it. Bez Hashem, join us next week, Thursday night, for some more chasidus. L'chaim alabracha. Gesundheit. Yes.